let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to the Opinions, and we are uh, out again. We're not. We're not in a normal place, are we? Well, no. this is becoming well, a normal place now. We're in the, uh, as James referred, it's some sort of secret hideaway in my in my office building. Yeah. and that's all I'm going to say. Okay, I'm going to leave that there. It's a secret hideaway in London. And the reason why we're once again in the secret hideaway is because we're once again not alone. I thought you were going to say because we weren't let out last time. Yeah, because we couldn't actually make our way out of here. No, we're not alone. We're, we're joined by Jago Wise from Wildcard Brewery. Jago, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Um, I say from Wildcard Brewery, but that's one of a huge list of things that you are now involved in, isn't it? <laughs> Just a few. Is, is, it, is, it still, is it still the main one? Is, is, uh, is Wildcard still the thing that... Pays the bills, takes up all of the time. Um, pays the bills, yeah, and it is like, for example, I do the most hours at, at the brewery, but, but yeah. I, I, okay. I, I, I do a fair amount. I'd say that's job number one then. Yeah, yeah it, it's a hundred percent job yeah. number one. Yeah. So yeah. as we've referenced Wildcard Brewery, we do have a beer from them in front of us. We do indeed. <laughs> so let's say cheers, and I'll let people know what what we got. Cheers, cheers. and welcome. Thank you. So this beer is um, a. Black currant and apricot smoothie pale ale. It has been done with uh, the Skyline Project, which was a project pairing up six New York breweries and six London breweries. So it was really, really cool. Um, they all flew over to the UK mm-hmm. as part of the London Craft Beer Festival, and we got to meet them. It's all about swapping ideas, um, getting to know each other, get, getting to know each other's breweries. I'm hoping to fly out to New York next year as well, and maybe to do the same thing. Oh, I was going to say, was it a, a, a reciprocal? Well, we'll see if we can afford well, it. We'll, it same. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what the money's saying. We'll the same people. So this is uh, done with Fifth Hammer. I mean, I'm not familiar with them at all. I'm not. It's the first time I've, I've heard of them. Yeah, so it was actually the first time that I'd heard of them as well um, when I started the project, but they sent over some beers, and the beers are just absolutely f- uh, phenomenal. And um, I, I was just so, so super stoked and pleased to work with them. So Chris came over, we spent the whole day together and we spent the evening together and we drank a lot together. <laughs> but it, no, it, it, was, it, it was superb. Oh, excellent. I mean, so this comes in at 4.3%. Okay, fairly low. Yeah, and um, you two have both admitted that maybe you might have some sort of uh, cold coming on. Do you reckon this will help? I mean, it's got lots it, of fruit. It feels it. like it, yeah. It's, it feels properly fruity. It is fruity. Yeah, I mean, the... The purpose of it, with the whole project, we were given the pale ale category. So we had to brew, I think our top ABV was 4.5%. So it had to be kind of on the lower end. Oh, so there were, there were markers, there were boundaries. There were boundaries, there were boundaries. Whereas um, Hackney Brewery, as part of the project, did a, uh, a stout, like a coffee stout. that I think it ended up being like 14.5% or something silly. Blimey. But- <laughs> <laughs> Stay, but, make mental note. Yeah, Hackney Brewery needs to come in soon. <laughs> yeah, 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 why they they've still got some of that beer available. Yeah, they do. It's yeah. absolutely superb beer, absolutely superb. And, and, and just generally, every beer in the Skyline project really was quite something. So I think if you can if you can get hold of it, you you you, 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 really, you still, really should try it's definitely it. Worth it's, it. It's definitely definitely worth oh, were they it. All in, really were they all in cans as well? Every, everything was in four forty mil cans. Um, but it's, it's really nice just to see the London breweries kind of getting a bit 
performing a bit more. Yeah, do you know no, what no, I mean? It's, 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 it's quite yeah. nice to see it. Because obviously we've, we've had various other collaborations in the past, but a lot of them seem to be outside of London over the last couple yeah. of years, haven't they? Well, there's been, yeah, I mean, um, the first series as such was the, the, the Rainbow yeah. project, which is still going and it's kind of into its second iteration yeah. of that now with a new set of breweries involved in that. And then you've got the Northern Powerhouse series. Which they now seem to be passing the baton from an, one northern brewery to another one, yeah, there, don't they? It yeah. seems to be a bit of a, a rolling thing every year. So it's quite good to see the, the London side doing a bit as well. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, the beers that are coming out from here, like from London, are really, really superb. So And it, it's quite nice to shine a spotlight on it. Yeah. Anyway, what do you think, Steve? I mean, you've actually drunk more than I have so far. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, I think it's that fruitiness that's really working for me, actually. Um, Any alcohol? None, <laughs> none whatsoever in, in, in that. It's, um, it tastes like alcoholic Ribena, doesn't it? Yes. Uh, minus a lot of the alcohol, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's, that's, that's what I imagine if you'd taken kind of the, uh, the, the dilutable Ribena and mixed it with cider or something, you probably could have come, I mean, just come up with something like this. But, you know, before we recorded, we, we poured the beer and I did say it reminds me of cowpole in the look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's dark red, yeah. is, isn't it? In, yeah. and, and that was the first thing that surprised me yeah. when it first started coming out. I was like, oh, I didn't expect it to be quite so full on blackcurrant. It actually looks almost thicker than it is. Yeah. You know, when a, a smoothie It has got a decent mouthfeel for it. It's got a decent yeah. mouthfeel, yeah. but it's not, yeah. it hasn't gone too far. Yeah, and, and, that, and that was partly because I wanted to make something that was pintable with this particular beer. So I wanted someone to be able to... So it's there are tart elements to it, mm-hmm. but it's not as sour. No. Yeah. So you could drink this. I wanted something you could drink in quantity because I knew the rest of the project was going to be like really intense, quite zoomed in beers. And the category we were given was the pale ale category. So even though it's physically purple, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not a pale ale, but it is. The, it's a pale base, if that makes sense. So, so it's what, a pale yeah, ale is the base. Yes. And the, the percentage would fit into a pale ale exactly, percentage yeah. as well. And and you could probably drink it, you could probably, you could probably order a pint of it and, and you'd be fine. I like, I, like, yeah. I like the use of the word pintable. I don't think yeah. anyone's ever done that. <laughs> I, I, I like that, yeah. yeah. Can we get, make a note on the show notes? <laughs> Try and fit that on every future show. Now, it, it has got that. And it also, I mean, we're obviously trying it now as we sort of, you know, after the clocks have gone back, so it's a little bit of a dip. But maybe a couple of months ago during a bit of a, a warm day, Completely refreshing. Exactly. And also, it'd be one of those beers, uh, we spoke about my beer club earlier, and um, it's the kind of beer I I always try to present to the beer club every now and again. Because I always (laughs) get that. Well, yeah, because (laughs) I get that, I don't like beer. Yeah. No, you just haven't, you haven't tried enough of the right kind of beers, or you haven't enough variety. Turn up with this one, I don't think it smacks of beer. No, not at all. No, not at all. It is, it is, a a, a beer like this is very much... um, it breaks boundaries in terms of what is beer and what is not beer and what is... So you, you, you can tempt a lot of different kind of drinkers. Mm. A lot of people that say, oh, I only like fruit cider or I only like this and yeah. like this. You present them with something like this and it kind of breaks down barriers a yeah. little bit. Oh, so it's a great start and thank you for bringing it along. No problem. So no, problem. Thank you. no problem. No problem. So this is obviously uh, from your main day job mm-hmm. at the Wildcard <laughs> Brewery. Um, Avid listeners that have been with us for a few years will remember that you did appear way back in the early days of the Beer O'Clock Show, um, when I think at the time you had 
three or four core beers, yeah, all, we did, all yeah. in, in, in 330ml bottles. Um, and obviously since then the brewery's grown and expanded. Um, do you want to just talk us through the, the, the journey of, of Wildcard Brewery from kind of where you were at the beginnings to where you are now? Yeah, so we are seven years in now, um, which is interesting. <laughs> and you may have noticed we've, we've gone into can, so um, we don't sell any, any of the bottles anymore. We were able to get our own canning line this year, which is a really big deal for us. We literally installed a new brewery two weeks ago. <laughs> so just preparing for Christmas, just doing more and more and more. Um, so no bottles at all now? No bottles at all. So, so the, the only bottles we make will be hand bottled, um, like probably champagne bottles. So uh, proper specials. So my barrel aging yeah. stuff that I've got coming that's up. It. So um, that's the only bottling. With so 440 cans. 330 cans. 330 cans. Yeah. Keg. Keg. Do you still do cask? I dabble from time to dabble time. I dabble okay. from, 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 from time to time. So it depends on what's going on. Uh, we, were, we were really, really struggling. Basically, the journey of Wildcard has been us continuously struggling with capacity. <laughs> That's basically it. Which, it sounds like a luxurious position to be in, but it's, it's, it can be quite stressful. Um, but we're in a position now, hopefully, where we can produce some, produce some volume. So when you say struggling with capacity, I mean that... Presumably every time you got to a point where you couldn't make enough to satisfy the demand that people wanted. Yeah, yes. So it's like a so good... It's, it's a good it's problem, less, yeah, it's, problem a good, it's, it's a good problem, but it, things just got kind of stupid. So we were supplying a supermarket on a six-barrel plant. It's just, that's just idiotic. You know, you know yes. what I mean? It's just, <laughs> so we, we just got way beyond what, was, what, what any brewery would deem acceptable. Um, but it's just it, it's the way it's the way we are and it's the way we we've always been we've always kind of pushed it to the very limit and we we just don't we don't have the access that a lot of other breweries have, kind of have like money wise right like, and, but you still have. you're still Walthamstow based we're still Walthamstow yeah yeah so that is still home but yeah Walthamstow as in we we couldn't leave Walthamstow yeah. <laughs> even if we tried so, so we've now got two sites we've got the um, the Ravenswood sites. Uh, which people probably know it as, which is now the barrel store. It's where our barrel aging project is taking place. And then we've got the new site, which is the Lockwood site, which is near Black Horse Lane in uh, Walthamstow. Right. So that is where the actual brewery is, and there's also a tap room there as well. So we've got two tap rooms. You've got two tap rooms. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. That bit, I have to admit, I haven't quite picked up there was a second tap room there as well. Yes, there is, yeah. yeah. And um, how are both tap rooms doing? Um, the barrel store is insane. <laughs> so that's one of the main reasons why we moved out of that site was because the tap room is, is really successful and a brewery gets in the way of, the tap of people, <laughs> right? right? That's one of the main yeah. reasons why we had to move it. And it was that. And uh, for those who, 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 who have physically visited the brewery, the water supply there is just ridiculous because it's in an old, um, an old ammunition factory. And another brewery moved in down the road, sorry, on the same estate, so a couple of doors down. So whenever they open their taps, my water would half. So imagine that, but with a brewery who's getting the, the water yeah. first. So it just we just there were times when we were trying to brew, trying to double brew, and you'd open the taps and nothing would come out. It sounds almost like that thing on holiday. Your towels on the sun sun yeah. first. We're like coming at three o'clock in the morning just to get the taps on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it got to the stage where where the um, like we didn't have enough water physically water. The drainage, 
was like World War Two standards. It, it, we just didn't have what we needed on uh, on the site, but it was making a great tap room. So, so tap room still there. Barrel, tap room still there. Now, can people see the bar? Because I haven't. So can they see the barrels? Can they they see? can see the barrels. We've got pizza there now. Uh, we've got twelve taps of beer. So it's um, it's it, it's pretty good. Yeah, pretty that's good. Cool. It's pretty good. Yeah. Everyone likes to see a bit of barrels when they're drinking beer, don't they? Trying mm-hmm. to imagine what's going on in the barrels, what's coming out next. <laughs> it's pretty good. And the, the new tap room? Yeah, um, the new tap room well, at Lockwood. Yeah, as, as yeah, well. this, yeah, that's doing really well. Um, that one is open Fridays and Saturdays, um, which is yeah, which is really good. It's where I spend a lot of my time. There, it's hard, it's hard to contextualise when you're there constantly, um, but yeah, it's you know, it, it's all going well. It's all going fine. Brilliant, so, excellent. So, in addition to that, you yeah. don't just brew at, at Wildcard yep. Brewery. Um, you have got quite the CV that, that, that comes with you as well. So, uh, singer in a band? Is, is, yeah, that, is that still it is, is that still a thing? It is still a thing. It's really frustrating for me. My drummer moved to Greece. <laughs> is a, so I was in this really cool band called, called Hell and Hope and the drummer, who is Greek, got a really good job offer in Greece. So I am technically on paper in between bands but if anyone out there wants to uh, <laughs> wants to have me singing on their tracks i am available yeah so so it's it's, it's a cause of frustration at the moment to be honest okay fair. so uh, we, let's not talk about that oh, fair. Fair <laughs> let's enough. move on yeah um tv presenter yeah radio yeah. presenter yeah as, as well and um so, how did that how did, that, how did that come about honestly i have no idea so it's just I just, kept, I just kept getting asked about it. I just kept getting asked, oh, uh, will you appear on this show? And it, it got to the stage where I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, I, I kind of need some representation to kind of help me a little bit. And then I got an agent and then it just kind of happened from there. And then it just kind of more and more kept happening. Because it's, I just it's, kept not, saying, it's yeah. not a beer show either, is it? It's, it's, it's the wine show that your TV presenter on. Yeah, so that's one of that, that that's yeah. one of them. So um, on that particular show, I'm a beer expert on that particular show. But um, it just, it came about actually through just science and engineering. So I, um, there was a show I did for the History Channel that was on um, uh, ancient weapons, where I had to just talk about how to make gunpowder, how to make... Um, uh, explosives and that sort of that's stuff. your academia background yeah just academia yeah. Um, and just saying and when we were shooting the episode I had a very a director that was very kind to me he knew he knew it was my first shoot and he was quite gentle with me and he said um, oh we need someone to talk about pumps and I was like oh I know, I know how a pump works and he was like okay and he's like we need someone to talk about Archimedes screw and I was like oh I know how that works and he said okay and then I ended up being in like 8 out of the 10 episodes which was really good it's kind of crazy. So but, what, um, what were the other two episodes that you didn't know about, Jaga? What, what were the rubbish at? <laughs> <laughs> Eight out of ten. <laughs> but never, never, but, but it's, it, it, it's kind of crazy. Even though of all the of all the beer stuff and everything that that goes on, I get the most messages from around the world about that show. Really? <laughs> that, about that about that engineering show. That's, I think that's actually that quite is, cool. Uh, really. um, yeah. It's quite funny. You've always got something to fall back on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was exactly. going to say, if, if the brewing doesn't work, which clearly that's not the case because it's, it's, everything's going great guns, <laughs> you've, you've always got that background to, to, to fall back on, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. And I suppose, and, and that's the whole point of, um, it's just the background, isn't it? Which yeah. is... I presume you must enjoy doing it. Mm. Um, being the beer expert on the wine show, how, so does that take up a great deal of your time? 
No. Oh, no, honestly, no. So it's... um. Like, I'm quite loud on social media. Like, I, I, I say, oh, I'm up to this and I'm up to that. Like, the longest shoot for the wine show is, like, six days in Japan. Like, it, it's, it's, not, it's not a huge amount of time. It's just something that looks like you're there for longer than you are. Just everything is very oh, tight condense, and it's very it. condensed. And you, and you just shoot continuously. Not shoot continuously, but that, that's, that's not true. You, you kind of, you shoot in the morning, you shoot in the afternoon, you shoot in the evening. But it's all over very quickly. So it, it may feel like you're away for a bit longer. Uh, but then because when um, you see the show, it's when you see it, when you, when, you, when you see the show, and then there's there, there's always when you sh- when you're about to shoot the show, you'll talk about it, and then when you shoot the show, you'll talk about it some more. Then you come back, you talk about it some more, and then when it airs, you'll talk about it some more. Right. It, it's more that kind of thing. In addition to everything else that you do, you're also a regional representative for Seba. Mm-hmm. As, as well so are you, is, that, is that the London region or London South East or what, what area do you so cover? I I chair the South East of the UK so that is that it does include London it also includes Kent it includes Brighton the South East of the UK okay. generally mm-hmm. basically it's quite a fair chunk then it's yeah. a fair chunk it's, it's a fair ch- chunk and um, I've been chairing that since when was that about April, May time this year. So um, we're trying to make the southeast the best region in the UK. <laughs> that's the. Uh, that's good. You've got to that, something, That's the you? goal, yeah. and, and yeah. Uh, that's the mantra. One of the first things we're doing is um, we are trying to improve the standing of our judging and our competitions, and put keg beer on the agenda. Obviously, in the southeast of the UK. There's a lot of keg beer da- um, down here, and it's probably not represented with the trade body as it should be. So what we're trying to do is to put it on the map. So we're having a really big keg beer competition, and the goal that we've set ourselves is world standard. Like we, you know, we don't, we don't want anything less. We want it to be one of the best competitions in the world. And um, as a consequence of that, it means we're going to have about 150, 160 kegs. So we're going to have a festival off the back of that in February, between the 13th and 15th of February in King's Cross. And it's going to be called Love Beer London, because um, it's Valentine's Day weekend. <laughs> and my birthday. Yeah. So if you want to come to a festival <laughs> on your birthday... Um, so yeah. It's so a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, isn't it? It's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So, um, yeah. We're, and, we're and working that, hard. Despite the name, that will be representative of the entire South East... So region that you represent. So what's happening is the South Seba Southeast is joining forces with the LBA, the uh, London Brewers Alliance, and we're hosting it together. And it is I don't know if you know Craft Beer Cares at all. Mm-hmm. So Craft Beer Cares are handling the festival side of it. So the whole thing is going to be hundred percent for charity as well. So you're going to hold it where Green Man hold their festival in the summer behind King's Cross. Uh, actually, really close to there. It's um it's by t- it's in. Um, an event space that belongs to two, two tribes brewery. It's really close yeah. to oh, their. Okay. It's really close to their tap room, but it's really close to um, Cold, Cold Drops yeah. Yard. Yeah, it's really clo- uh, close to there. But that's going to be releasing um, late this week, early next week. We're going to start telling people about it. Okay, you guys are the first. Yeah, exclusive. You guys are the first. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, it does sound quite good. It's a good idea, and you're right about the keg, aren't you? Because yeah, generally, exactly. it tends to be. Cast the cast beers, yeah, exactly. isn't it? They get judged and stuff. I like the aims. How did it come about doing it with LBA then? Uh, so 
it's been a, been a lot of forging ties and making friends. So I, because obviously I grew in London, I, I'm already part of the LBA. I already go and I know everyone. And we cover a really similar region, um, remit. So why would we not band together and pool our resources and do something really awesome for everyone? That makes so perfect sense. So it, it's taken a fair amount of give and take on everyone's part. Um, but but there's been some comp- some compromises made in order for everyone to get along. But it's uh, it's yeah it's it. Mm-hmm. I think it shows. Hopefully, we're going to show what we can do when we all work together to achieve kind of one one big thing. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a cracking idea. Yeah, it's fantastic. And it's a it's an easy location to get to. It's an easy it's an easy location so many to get to. Go into it. Yeah, exactly. And it's like one of the things that I really enjoy about Seabird Beer Festivals. And about camera beer festivals specifically is how um, accessible they are in terms of like pricing and that sort of stuff yep. like it's not really expensive so that's kind of what what we wanted to do is not do something that's like 50 60 pound a ticket we wanted to do something like like the tickets cost 12 pounds and you get a free glass with that in the middle of central london you know what yeah. i mean so we wanted something that's really super value. super super yeah. accessible yeah. and um, that's what they yeah, like i said that's what i mean gbbf is 10 to 12 quid couple of quid off if you're a member yeah that kind of thing so it's very comparable isn't it yeah exactly so those like really positive things about those festivals we really wanted to bring that but put that to keg um and i've challenged all the breweries at the last meeting we want to see them brew their best brew their finest beer that they've ever made they're going to do collaborations work together we want to have a really exciting uh, festival. That's really good. I finished the beer, by the way. I know. Oh. Um, <laughs> does that mean we've been talking too much? Yes. <laughs> Although I felt like I didn't it's, talk it, as It's well. very smooth and drinkable. You didn't even notice. She only bought two cans as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, final thoughts on it? Well, superbly drinkable. I think. I mean, I don't. I didn't really get the apricot myself, but the um, the, the black black is it blackberry or black currant? It's the black currant. It's quite. It's quite a powerful. It's quite an overwhelming. It's quite dominant, isn't it's, it? It's really dominant. It's yeah. really really dominant. But I quite. I, I, I quite yeah. like that. I mean, maybe it's... maybe the apricot. I would notice the apricot not being there. You know, like again, when you're cooking, if you don't add something, you notice it hasn't been added. Yeah. So yeah. maybe the apricot is still adding something that we actually noticing mm. per se. But going back to your earlier phrase of pintable, I could do pint or two of that absolutely I, 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 think, I think I'd, I'd agree has it got the residue sugar no no it's, it's and, and like you say the, the, the tartness is there there's, mm-hmm. there's a hint of tartness but it's not it's not overpowering I'm mm. not I'm not the world's biggest fan of sour beers mm. I'm, I'm, I'm really no, not sour, really, it's too sharp for you it's going to struggle with the rest of tonight yeah, no. so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's, that's that's I can drink that and I can enjoy that and it's it's not making me pull a face Mm. Um, well, that's it, so that's a thumbs up. Yeah, yeah that's, no, 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 that, that's, that's take that as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> Steve hasn't pulled a face. Yeah, the thing is, you know what? I'm just I'm really pleased with the reaction to it because I was quite I was quite. Um, you're always a bit scared when you, especially when you're doing a project of that caliber, amongst brewers of that caliber. So there's like Pressure Drop and Evil Twin and and what have you um, and Hackney and all these amazing breweries all do, doing a project so it's 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 really nice that it's been like reviewed really well and received really well mm-hmm. by everyone so I'm, I'm really quite proud will you do it again though as in the same beer is this, can you now brew it again at some point in the future um I can what, do, do I you brew anything you want I mean how do those rules work because it was obviously done as a collaboration yeah. can you both brew it again different in your own breweries if you know next yeah. summer someone says look 
this is a great summer beer, why can't we have it again? Yeah, it's one of those things where two breweries could brew exactly the same thing and it would taste different yeah. in both mm-hmm. breweries. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would have no qualms about brewing it again. Because this, this initial release of it would have only been available in the box sets. This would have been available in the box sets. So and we did, make, we did make some keg. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that's lunch. the only way people are, are going to have a chance to try this because if they bought a box or mm-hmm. happened to be in a bar and it was on keg. Or went to the launch yeah. or, happened, yes. or, or, or came to any of the wildcard tap rooms right. or, or any of the tap rooms in London. So I think mm-hmm. Pressure Drop had, had it on at the experiment and uh, Gypsy Hill had it on in their place. So Okay, so people who were part of yeah. the project, yeah. mm-hmm. you all had each other's mm-hmm. beers. But if you, if you were to bring it back, assuming it, you'd be able to then do it a bit more widely available so to, to anybody that could just buy it on, yeah on yeah 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 exactly exactly so i mean yeah no i've thoroughly enjoyed that yeah i am thoroughly enjoyed that i'm still enjoying it yeah I'm, I'm going to get the other the next lot of cans out while you start the next bit today yeah okay well uh, obviously you're with us for the evening so, yes, so you're, you're, you're going to jump in and out of um some some bits that we've got and we've got uh, as we always do and we've got guest hosts we've got some questions for you from our listeners as, as well a little bit later on um but we're just going to jump into the news now uh, just a few things to to look at this week um so first up following on from uh, the conversation we had on the last show with with james from seba um about the um the seba michelin event which you, you were involved yeah. in uh, so you sent some beers in for that didn't you yeah yes we were so it, it wasn't something that um I was particularly even a part of like myself, so it was um, we just applied and uh, and the beer the beers got chosen. In fact, our passion fruit goes, um, which we got later, was chosen as a beer, mm-hmm. which I'm quite, it's, it's pretty cool to be chosen to be presented yeah. to a Michelin starred restaurant. So yeah, that was cool. Yeah, as a result of that event, um, there seems to have been some success because there was uh, a tweet um, last week from. Neil Walker, who okay. I believe is press secretary for CEO. Or communications yeah, guy, it's one yeah. of the two, isn't it? Um, PR man, PR yeah. man, yeah. But basically, um, uh, a chef had got in touch with one of the breweries that were involved and is now looking to use their beers in uh, as part of a recipe that they're going to put forward to the Great British Menu, oh, which fantastic. will be on the television That's in spring. Cool, um, so, so I followed up with, with Neil and asked for some more details, and it turns out that the brewery involved... Um, is Abbeydale in, in Sheffield and who uh, incidentally we are featuring a beer from them later we as well. are covering a beer from it's them tonight stuff, I, I know sometimes sometimes the planning just works <laughs> um, sometimes <laughs> yeah um, so they had submitted uh, Raisins to be Fearful which was the beer that they submitted to the event um, and that was the beer that got them the attention of the chef from um, the restaurant in Sheffield um, and he's going to be using one of their beers called Heathen, which is, I think it's a straight up parallel. Um, and he's going to be using that as part of this dish in, in the Yay. In Great British Thank you. Well, That's so, really cool. Well, there's a measure of success straight away for yeah. the event. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's great to hear, and that's great that it's been so, so quick as well, yeah. because that event was only three weeks ago, three, four three, weeks four ago months. now. Yeah, because yeah. it was before we recorded with James two weeks ago, so slightly before that, wasn't it? So, yeah, three, three and a half weeks. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's really cool that's really cool because it's hard to get beer in front of these people it's not easy so so to have a to have a situation where um well you've got beer you can in front put of it in the and, noses and you've got and they're taking it take someone's taking it up as well yeah that's it that's a yay yeah. success I think that's a, well, yeah. <laughs> hopefully the first of many yeah, yeah. hopefully hopefully uh, next up was uh, again just a, a brief one now this was from 
Um, the International Alliance for Responsible Drinking um, published a new report this year showing that in 34 of the 36 countries where data is available, um, the statistics on drink driving have dropped. Um, so instances have reduced in those countries uh, across the world. So this is data that's gathered from a number of countries across the world. It's put into a report and it, and it shows the, the impact of um, drink responsibly campaigns, those sorts of things. So well, that's, that, can, that can only be a plus. That, that is, isn't it? Um, so that can only ever be a plus. I've not really got much else to say about that. There's a huge report that goes along with that. I'll put a link in the show notes if people want to read the report. It's there for people to read. But I think the headline says it all. Yes. Is is that it's 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 a reducing thing. Definitely. Uh, in, That's great. Yeah. Um, more local news. Um, and I don't know why we'd be mentioning this. It's not like we know the guy that works <laughs> for them. Um, East London Brewery have completed uh, a new installation of a new plant. Uh, they've got a new head brewer, they're rebranding and they've launched East End Lager. So they're based just down the road from me, East London Brewery, and I absolutely love them. I love their beers. Yeah. Like, I, I really do. So it's, it's really nice. It's really nice. that The can looks awesome. The can looks really awesome. Yeah, so it's, they've, they're using um, local photography on, on their cans. So mm. images of, 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 of local landmarks um, are being used on their cans with a... The, the labelling the labeling when they released it did look really cool, actually. I think they've moved away from the ELB branding as well, haven't they, to simply now say East London yeah. Brewery. Yeah, but I mean, the ELB's done them well. I mean, they're probably... Have, are they similar sort of timing to you? Yeah, really similar, yeah. Really they've been around a similar sort of time. So they've been, they've been at the Brewers Market at Spitalfields mm. for quite some time, which is I first came about them. So that they were due for maybe a little bit of a refresh and a change. So I think that's cracking. Yeah. Um, next thing they're looking at is opening a tap room as, as well, which would really? be great for them as well, yeah. Hot stuff, that's hot information. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, look, that is exclusive for you. Mm-hmm. Exclusive for me. How, how close to you are they? <laughs> so, to my house, they are like, they're like, <laughs> to the they're like a seven minute walk from my house. Yeah. To the like brewery. Like a seven minute walk. <laughs> they're like a seven. To be fair, to the brewery, they were probably one of my closest neighbours. When we were at the Chernor Street, so the Barrel Store site, but they probably were our closest brewery. Um, either well, they either them or your water. But then that- <laughs> no, 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 no. This is before Pillars moved in, so um, before them, they were our closest neighbour. That's quite cool because then you're going to start developing a few spots in the oh, same yeah. area, yeah. so it becomes a part of a, a, a destination area rather than one or two destination places, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, it's. Always- you mentioned that recently on Twitter, didn't you? Yeah, about a Walthamstow beer mile. It's potentially. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's happening. Anyway, as as listeners may have heard, I have cracked open our second beer. So perhaps you know you should probably introduce this, Jager. You know which what what we've got. Yeah. So this is our Kashmir IPA. It is a beer made with a hop called Kashmir. Absolutely bloody stunning hop. And for us, it was this is a collaboration we did with Brewdog as part of their collab fest. Um, and for us, it was a chance to show off a bit and to um, and flex our muscles a little bit and share what we could do. So first, it's probably it's our biggest kind of hoppy beer. Um, we went up to twenty one grams per liter in terms of hop, which is quite high. Um, yeah, so really quite pretty. I mean, cashmere is not a hop. I'm- Oh, I don't think I've come with? across it before. Is it? Did, did you say it's fairly new? As, um, as, as it's, uh, to be honest with you, I'd never used it before, apart from in this beer. What I try and do, I try and contract like a little bit of really weird, hard to get hold of stuff. Um, and this was, um, and this was one of them. This was one of them. So, um, okay. so yeah, so yeah, it's it, it's it's really quite. Uh, I'm really quite pleased with it. Cheers. Thank you very much. No problem. 
I mean, the first thing I say is the, the, the nose on it was was there the minute you opened the can. Mm-hmm. You can smell the fruit. Big, big orange juice yeah. notes on on that. That's still quite bitter. No. I'm getting bitterness on it. I'm getting dryness on on the finish, like a real little pithy dryness. So I was expecting, right more, I was expecting much more sweetness there. Mm. But it's um, the rum is absolutely delicious. But, yeah, mm. that is that is a stunning. And, and yeah. so this is single hopped. No, no, it's not. It's, no, no, it's not single hopped at all. So this is a. Um, it's kind of a. It's interesting when you say um, bitter, like it's um, it's it's kind of like fresh bitter rather than bitter bitter. Yes. If that makes sense. It's, like almost, it's, like, a, it's almost like I was eating the rind of a fruit. Yeah, like a rind of a fruit mm, rather yeah. than like, yeah, you know what I mean? Um, so this is, so it's got in its citra, it's got hop called Ella in it, uh, cashmere and pretty says in the can. It does. I was wondering to see if you knew the fourth one. <laughs> Mate, it was me that did the final dry hopping on it. I bloody know the fourth. <laughs> the, uh, fourth one. It's a lot of hops that went into this. Um, but yeah, so again, um, again, I'm, I'm I'm really quite pleased with it. It's a big, juicy, kind of cloudy IPA. I mean, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely cloudy slash hazy. It's definitely got the orange aromas. But again, what it, it has, it hasn't got. Like that yeasty sugariness, which I feel that some of these kind of style of beers has sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. It still feels it's been a complete brew cooked all the way through and come off at the right time. And um, that's in particular because of the yeast we chose to use with this beer. So um, I purposely didn't want it to end up finished too sweet. Um, we wanted to retain a little bit of sweetness, um, but uh, we, it have, we have made it finish fairly dry comparatively but we, what we were really working on was the thick thick juicy mouth feel so I, I changed some of the water treatment um in order to try and achieve that to make it a little bit thicker there, it, there is quite a lot of oats in it as well but just to try and make it a little bit more silky smooth oh so you haven't relied um, purely on the addition of the oats to get the mouth full. oh you no no other stuff as well we went we went water chemistry hard on this beer like it it, it, it in terms of it's a lesson in how much water treatment makes like a massive, massive, massive difference. Um, so we went really hard on trying to um, tr- trying to improve that kind of and trying to make it really kind of silky in the mouthfeel. I, Cash- I would say oh. I would say which which I guess is what, where it's come from. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it's achieved. Absolutely, absolutely. yeah. I, I mean, I was just surprised to see that it was only five point eight percent. Yeah. As 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 well, because I was expecting something a lot bigger. For, for, for this again this sort of style you normally expect something six and a half seven for for, for this sort of style but no nice 5.8 percent easily pintable, pintable. <laughs> it, still feels, it still feels like we've got balance in here as well yeah yeah oh absolutely the flavors balance out beautifully yeah there, um, there, there's balance in here you you could definitely although we've stepped up by one and a half percent for the last beer you wouldn't necessarily know you have yeah I would say there's still a, definitely a lot of drinkability about this one. You could have a couple of pints of the first one, a couple of pints of the second one. You might notice it later on because you've suddenly jumped up to just below six percent. But I don't think you notice it when you're drinking it. No, no, it's, it's just it's it's really really drinkable. Yeah, that's that's the thing that really screams uh, about this beer is that it's it's so it's so well balanced. It's got that drinkability. Yeah. Have you had good, good feedback from it from the uh, from the collaboration with the, the, the Brewdog bars? Yeah, the feedback's been it's been pretty good. <laughs> it's been pretty good. Yeah, nice. you know, you know when you go, uh, 
yeah, I can't. I can't really complain about the feedback. I wouldn't have bought it today if the feedback hadn't <laughs> <laughs> been good. <laughs> yeah, it must be quite proud of this one. Right? <laughs> no, no, we're yeah. pretty pleased. Yeah, yeah. Pretty pleased. no, it's on with Jonah. Yeah, me too. Just while we're getting into that, one more news story uh, this week, and this one came as quite a surprise, I think, to a lot of people. When I think this came out uh, late Friday afternoon, was the news that Burning Sky are canning their beers. I was surprised. Yeah, because didn't someone put out a Twitter poll just the day before? So I'm assuming they must have known. Oh, I'm not sure. I don't think I saw well, someone that. had done a question saying who's going to put their beer in cans first, Burning Sky or Colonel? Ah, I don't think the Colonel will do it. Well, no, I didn't think the Colonel do it, but I was surprised to find that Burning Sky were. were no, I'm, I'm kind of hoping the Colonel don't because I've, I've publicly said a number of times if the Colonel ever can their beers, I'm done. I'm, I'm really? Done. I'm done Why? Beer. Explain just, to me. I don't know because I just I think there's something just that works with their bottles. It's it's just I don't think it would have the same appeal in a can. I just don't it's, think it would. It depends on the branding, doesn't it? Because yeah. they do such, they they do simplicity so beautifully. Yeah, and that's why that's that's where I think I'm coming from. That simplicity of that brown label on a brown bottle, I don't think you can beat that. And there's the whole issue of with the can design. There's a real three sixty ability of a can. Like it has to look good from every angle. In a way, in a bottle, you can just kind of get away from a front yeah. Yeah. design or like a back design. It's a uh, it's a. It it would be a tricky one to work out if they were to go into. Yeah, I mean, I don't see cans. it, but I'm, I have to admit, I'm surprised. Oh, well, I was surprised to read this. Um, but basically, they're saying that uh, first cans off the line will be in late November. How exciting! Um, what they've done is they've uh, they've got they've opened a new building um, adjacent to the brewery where they're going to move all of their ocaging into that. Um, which has allowed them the space to put in a can in line. Uh, and so moving forward, all of their fresh parallels, IPAs and seasonal saisons will be 440ml cans, um, but they'll still be putting the oak-aged beers out in the 750ml champagne bottles as, as well. So it's kind of catering for both markets. Yeah, because some, some of their beers do lend themselves to being in the big 750 bottles. Yeah, totally. Either putting away or sharing. Yeah. So the, the split of the beers, the way they're doing it, sounds about right. But yeah, I mean... Canning's obviously, I mean, obviously, as we're finding out tonight, you know, with Wildcards recently doing their one, so obviously it is still the way forward. Oh, no one's No one's slowing yeah. up, are they? No, no, cans, cans are very much here to stay, aren't they? They're not, they're not going anywhere. No, no, I don't think they're, they're, they're going anywhere. But I do think, though, um, I do think there are pros and cons to both packaging formats, and I don't, I don't really like it when people say, oh, cans are better than bottles, or bottles are better than can. I just don't think that's true. I think there are pros and cons to each packaging format. But then I probably would say that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I mean, all I would say is that, going back to the earlier thing we were talking about, the SIVA and the restaurants, I think cans in the restaurants, is, in these, those kind of Michelin-style restaurants, is going to be a harder sell. Oh, of course, yeah. So course. You need to, if you want to get beer in the door, then it's... To get beer in the door, which I think a lot of the beers we looked at had been, a lot of them were in 750 type bottles, mm. which lends themselves to being wine presented in the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, but even when I've been on holiday and stuff, I, when I go away, I still see more bottles elsewhere. If I take the states out of the equation, cans have definitely done states in here. If you go to Europe, it's still more bottles for me. Well, cans have a problem in high end restaurants. So, so still, even even within London, like, because obviously we made the change from bottle to can, yeah. so we know it very well. So it's a, 
it's 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 not an easy sell um trying to get someone to change from a bottle to a can it may be exactly the same bit maybe may a better bit uh, within the can yeah. but it's, it, it's that it's sound of easy. cracking open a beer I, I imagine is what partly you know I think part of it is they have to be able to sell it especially when in central London that they sell a bottle of beer for nine ten pounds a bottle um and I've, I've heard various theories as to why why people think it doesn't work as well and it could be as simple as like the physical height difference so the when you're looking at a plate you've got your glassware here You've got your food down here. Just a can is physically smaller. Like attempting to charge that much money for it um, in people's eyes. In so people's then. eyes. Mm. Yeah, it's it's. Um, That's a point. It's I'm a bit of a psychology. Yeah. But then restaurants um, do very small plates of food and charge me a lot more for it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> they seem to get away with that one often enough. That's true. That's true. But I just think it's developing, and I think the more things we do, like this mission inside event, or and the more we talk to chefs, and the more we kind of beat down the doors. It, but it's definitely a huge, huge area for growth, uh, beer and food. Oh, an untapped market. An untapped market. Yeah, yeah. Hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> While we're on the cans, obviously your, your cans have got beautiful striking designs on, on, on them. Um, are they each done by a different artist? Is there a resident artist that you have? What, what's your approach to the artwork on, on, on your cans? So um, the artwork for all of our bottle stuff, so all of our card stuff, was a fella called Valero Duval. And then when we went to, to, to Cannes, he's also done all the artwork for that as well. Um, so it, it, it's mostly him. And then we've recently opened it out to other artists. We've kind of used other people here and there over the years for some specials. For example, the Cashmere is by a new artist. Um, his name's James Hayes. And... The, the tricky thing with working with different artists, especially on a on a brand, is you want people to be able to recognise it is you. It's still the same brand. But also, yeah, exactly. But also fitting somebody else's aesthetic into kind of your pigeonhole, yeah. which at times can work and at times doesn't work at all. So it, it, it can be quite tricky. So we've done things like keeping the back fairly uniform, um, even though the aesthetic is quite different. I think it is quite... People they, do kind of recognise it. As yeah, this. I mean, even looking at the so obviously for the benefit of the body. So the back of the cans are very similar typeface, laid out the same way. The front of the cans, although they are different pieces of art, do feel the same brand or part of the same stable, for want of a better phrase. What, what's interesting is with the Skyline project in particular, um, we had a brief for that that was quite um, tight comparatively. So it had to be very New York based. Whereas normally we, we wouldn't go so a little bit more abstract. You'll see the passion fruit ghost when it comes out yeah. in a minute. Um, so that, that that was very, probably wouldn't normally go that um, specifically. But if you were given It's got the Biddy Statue of Liberty on it, for God's sake. Yeah, but it's, it's <laughs> it, it smack of New York. It just smack of New York. It had to smack of a particular thing. So, um, but yeah. So, so I mean, it's, it, it's always a challenge um, doing that. Mm. And it's always a challenge getting that right. Um, at, at Wildcard, um, uh, Will is the one who just polices the artwork, and we're very, we really tightly control um, the artwork. And we're called Wildcard Brewery for God's sakes. The amount of potential puns, crap puns, is just ridiculous. <laughs> like you know what I mean? It's just insane. And the amount of people will be, that come up to us and want to do this Joker event or this Seven of Clubs thing. 
and we just like puns are banned <laughs> well, okay. yeah, yeah. so it's just that we, we, we try and keep it classy get rid of that last sheet of paper Steve no it's interesting because actually we, we, we did have um, a question from one of our listeners uh, about oh God, yeah, um, which was um, around the card based beer names mm. um, and this was from Adam Johnson at maybe underscore not underscore a underscore fad. Uh, how long did the card-based beer names last and what was the reason behind not continuing with them? So we did that from the very beginning until um, until last year, like late, late last year really, so when we got the canning line in. Um, and if you look at the way the designs, I haven't bought any core range with me today, but it's very similar all we did was take the card themed and put it on a can <laughs> but as i as i said before the front and the back kind of scenario doesn't just doesn't work as well on a can it's very 360. Mm. um so we really had to think about how we were going to do that uh, but if but if you look at our um our ipa uh it's it's the same picture as our old queen of diamonds but the recipe has changed. It's a slightly higher ABV, but it's literally the same image. So it's just a manner of the reason for the change was not so much it's not liking the old stuff. It was a making the brand change to can. Just, so just using, updating the whole using thing. Updating whole, the whole thing. Whole yeah, yeah, using well. yeah, because yeah. we were very front and back. Yeah. We were literally card themed. So we had the front of the card and the back of a card, and it just didn't work on a can. No. It, it didn't look good. Yeah, because um, like I say, it's 440, so you've got bigger height and you're trying to use the whole lot. No, it's shorter, so it's 330mm. Oh, 330 counts, Yeah, it's 330mm, so it's smaller. And um, and obviously, we're at the stage before when we had, we didn't even have barcodes on our bottles. We didn't have like loads of information on our bottles that we, if we want to sell into goodness knows where now, there's some stuff that we literally have to have on our um, in terms of legally, the, the the back of our package that maybe we wouldn't have considered before. And that's mainly things like barcodes. Which so does take up room, doesn't it? It takes up room. Mm. It's like a really big, ugly barcode. Yeah. Like it's, it, you, and you have to have it on there. And it's the kind of thing that we just would never have, would never have thought, would never have thought about before. When you start selling to like wholesalers and that sort of stuff, like you have to take, take those things into account. Okay, so wildcard branding is still there. It's just been yeah. developed in it's just way. been it's just been upgraded Evolved. it's been modernized it's been modernized and we still get loads of people that come up to us and say oh we really love the old branding blah 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 but even when you look at the very, the very beginning when we started we used to hand tie all of our um labels onto every onto every bottle and it's just it's, it, as fun as it was me doing that at two, <laughs> at two o'clock in the morning <laughs> but it, it was it was so much fun as fun as it's just not you you kind of you move on as the business changes yes. as, as as needs this needs change. Yeah, and mm. that, that sounds to be expected. Mm. If you want, well, you know, if you're the the brewer, do we want you spending all your time tying labels to the bottles? Really? <laughs> no. And wouldn't be using your expertise elsewhere. Yeah. No. So it's not the best way to do it. No. So it, make, it makes sense to me. And I don't. Apart from, say, the aforementioned kernel, not many people's branding has stayed the same. Yeah, I mean it's it's There's a some it's a real it's a real design challenge. Yeah. It really is, um, and I really take my hat off to um, to all these brand agencies and, and what have you who, who do it. It's it, it's not easy. It's one one of the things that we have not done 
is use a brand agency. We've done it in-house, um, which is why we, we do look a little bit... Um, I'm not going to use the word homemade, but I'm going to use the word as in... Uh, we're, we're not as shiny. But we, I don't think we ever have been. It, it really works for us. Yeah, it um, works really well for us. And even even having a label on a wraparound can, like we like that look. We like the matte, quite clean look. What are we thinking of of, of the beer then? I mean, we're we're working our way through this quite nicely. No, it hasn't changed. I mean, it's it is. I would, I would hardly ever use the word silky. Ask me, I would say super smooth. Mm. Um, it's very easy to drink. Again. This had been plonked down in front of me and I'd know of the details, I would have gone in a bit nervous mm-hmm. because I would have been expecting that more, maybe slightly thicker mouthfeel, uh, a bit more sugary, maybe some of those yeasty esters as well. None of that. Yeah, it's got a lovely fruity aroma, still getting that nice balance and has still got some of that sort of fresh fruit bitterness that you get with certain fruits. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. It's, it's super, super drinkable again. Or, sorry, super pintable. Yeah, no, it's, I'd, I'd, I'd agree. Uh, there's not too much more I can add to, to that. It is, it is really drinkable. Um, I, I think what's what's great about it as well is that obviously you, you said you did this as part of the, the, the Brewdog Collab Fest, mm. but you've been able to also go ahead and make it more widely available than mm. that and, and put it into cans so that people don't necessarily have to go to their nearest Brewdog bar to mm. try it. They can actually try it in the can as well. Yeah, which despite how many Brewdogs there are, not always that convenient. No, mm. no. If you, if you don't live near one, no. then yeah, yeah, they're not convenient. No. Are they? <laughs> and I'm assuming would this when so, so being involved in in, in that event, mm. do you just produce enough for the one bar that you've collaborated with, or do you have to produce enough for them to supply a number of their bars or all of their bars? So we were asked to do 40 20 litre kegs, um, and. You send it off in a pallet, and what we did volume-wise was I literally just made kegs for them. And the, re- the rest of the beer, we, we put it into cans. We had, we had our own branding done, and, and we uh, put it into cans. Um, I was beyond shocked by how far this beer travelled. So I was looking on Untapped, and the beer was in Reykjavik, the beer was in Helsinki, the beer was in Barcelona. It was in places that have never... We've never had our beer... Places they never would have heard of us, they never would have tried us before. And then all of a sudden you've got people like giving their opinions about your beer in far-flung places from across the world. Like, it was brilliant. really quite special. Yeah. It was really, really, really quite, really, really quite special. I, I, was, quite, I, was, I was quite proud and quite, and, and quite pleased. And then you have someone who's saying they absolutely love it in, in goodness knows where. Like it's, and they would just never have had the opportunity to even hear your name. And you would have had the opportunity to get it out there either. So yeah, exactly. Absolutely works, not. So works perfectly well, doesn't really it? Well, yeah. no, 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 it, it was, honestly, it was a dream project because it was, they basically said, um, we want to work with you. We're working with the Paddington Brewdog. We want to work with you on, on this project. They, they basically guaranteed they would buy the product at the end um, at a really good price. Like a really, really, it allowed us to, to really go hard on the hops. And then the, the rest of it, I can. So we were able to sell the rest to our bottle shop customers. Um, so it just, it really, projects don't always come around that easy. Um, and, and it was an easy one. And that's Brewdog Initiated? This is, yes, this is Brewdog Initiated. So um, this is as part of, yeah. So they, they called us and um, they got an email and then we said, yeah. 
see the good side of Brudel. Yeah. You didn't get caught up in any of the suggested untapped fixing that was going on over some of these beers, did you? What? Did, did you not, did you not see this? this? I want to know about this, <laughs> but I've not yeah, heard about this. Were, there were some people creating the accounts just for do one-off checking. Yeah, but basically because Brewdog run a thing where they run a league table of I all saw of the, the beers table, yeah, I saw based that. on the average untapped score that that beer's been getting, there were instances related to a number of breweries that were involved where a load of new untapped accounts were created, (gasps) scored their beer five, and then were going in and doing every other beer at one. (gasps) That is scandalous. That is scandalous. It's terrible. I I don't think... To their credit, I don't think Brewdog have commented either way about no. it. But I know the, the guy that runs Untapped got involved because somebody tagged Untapped in and he picked up on it and he said, we have an algorithm that will take them scores out over time anyway because it will pick up that their peaks that shouldn't be there, that their, their peaks and their low points that shouldn't be there. So our algorithm will actually remove those scores from the average so they've, score. So they've had this before then, obviously. Yes. These sort of collaborations probably take place all the time elsewhere. They've got this algorithm in place, but seriously, why? So people really, so they really cared about being on the top of this Brewdog yes. list. Yeah, yeah, but some, wow. some breweries really wanted to win. But then it, it's, it, there is an untapped skew. There is an untapped skew. So you have to kind of be really, it's one of the things, like I try and have a really healthy relationship with untapped. It's really, really good to see how your beers are scoring instantly it's good for instant feedback to hear yeah. what like real people think is really good there is a massive skew towards uh barrel aged beers mm-hmm. sour beers and um and like really strong stouts and a really strong skew against lagers wheat beers and like lighter beers and you just you, you just can't you can't brew uh, using like untapped as a base. Although I have changed my scoring system. Go on. That. Because well, we spoke we spoke about this a few times on the show on well, on and off air as well. But you are right because that fourteen and a half percent barrel aged style mm. gets four and a half, four seven five five every time. Yeah. Yeah. Every because time. you know it's been there. People have cared for it, loved it. It's only got a hundred bowls, so mm. it gets massive scores straight away. And I I was follow fairly much following the same thing. But then two days later, I might find a beer that I really like and have a session on it. And, I'm, and I'd said to myself, well, if I'm willing to carry on buying the same beer over and over again, how can it only be a, th- a three, a three and a seven, five yeah. or four? It's ridiculous. So I've actually started, some of my session beers now get in the high fours or a five. Well, if I'm willing to carry on, in my head, paying money for it, mm. I'm, I'm assuming I like it. Therefore, it's worth a higher score. Because it's sessionable, should not bring down the score. Yeah, but it, but it, yeah. It, but, but it, it, it absolutely does. And the thing is, and what's 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 really fascinating. I I really love Untapped. I, I I think it's really good. A lot of people complain about it, how mean it is, and it's mean. Don't get me wrong. It can be oh, yeah. really mean, and it can be cutting when you read something and what have you. However, largely, I think overall, it it, it it's quite it's quite positive, but. That sounds cutthroat, as in... I mean, that, that, that was a that way sounds... step too far. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe it when I was reading it. I was like, I, don't, no, I, I can't believe, I can't believe, I believe that it. people well, are actually doing this. I can believe it, I can believe it. Ball, I can create another account. Yeah. And then checking your beers in on that account just to get the scores up or down. Seems like hard work to me. Too much hard work. <laughs> too much hard work. Especially when I'm drinking yeah. beer. 
Yeah. Um, so, Jager, we've got a, a, a number... <laughs> to try and get back on track. Sorry, sorry. sorry. No, it's scandalous. No, it's, it's, it's great. I mean, we, we've not had a chance to talk about that no. thing yet, and I think it was, it was something that, I, that we needed to chat about, actually. Um, we've, we've got a number of things I want to chat to you about that are kind of almost like... Um, Sort of, sort of like the big things that you, you've been involved in over the last couple of years. Um, so first one um, is, is obviously the, the, the one that I think probably, rightly or wrongly, most people know you for is, is, is your championing of diversity and inclusion in, in the beer industry. Um, that didn't come about by accident, obviously. It's, it's obviously something that you care about and that you're very, very passionate about. And, and I think it's fair to say that a lot of that might have been happening pre, but certainly post uh, keynote speech that you gave at uh, Brewers Congress. Um, t- tell, us, tell us what that means to you and, and, and why you still continue to champion it now. I had an opportunity to talk and I chose to choose that. I chose that subject because for me it was obvious, and it was something that is um, is a bugbear like in my daily work life. Like it happens all the time with like drivers and and it's annoying. So I I, I, I chose that topic and kind of after that everything went absolutely crazy. It was like in the press. It was in the Daily Mail and it was in this and that. And um, then I kind of I felt like I had to make. I had to make kind of a choice, like, do I carry on or do I stop? Um, and I figured, like, there's, there's nothing to lose. There's nothing to lose here. You can only gain. Like, what's the worst that can happen is some people say bad stuff about you on the internet. I can, I can deal with that. Mm-hmm. I'm a big girl. So I just thought, let's crack on. Let's try and, let's try and do something. Um, so, so, yeah, it's... Uh, we are we are getting there. I am. Um, I, th- I think I'm most proud of what's happened this year with regards to the Portman Group and getting it on their agenda, and more so get, uh, getting it within their rule book, so that all alcohol is covered across the UK. Um, so that if you are homophobic or discriminatory in any way, racist or sexist is now an authoritative body. It's not just us, like, chatting about it on Twitter. There's an authoritative body who can pull beer from supermarket shelves Mm. or who can literally make a difference in a way that we can't make a difference. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I think that is... But I also don't think we've really felt... It's not really been massively tested yet. So I'm very much waiting for, um, for those tests to come. Like, it's easy. Like, talk is cheap. It's it's all about actions and things going to need tweaking in the future and 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 that sort of thing. So um, although ideally you don't want someone to actually bring something out, which needs testing either. Yeah, in the first place you want to you want to stop it altogether, don't you? Yeah, but they will. Yeah, but they no, will. It, it, so you have to be realistic. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm that's not where we're we're looking to get to. Ideally, you want people to pick up on all the various messages, direct or indirect, that are occurring now. And not even produce something that requires testing. Yeah, it's and it's a it's an interesting line to tread, especially doing the work I do with Ciba on the Ciba side. And um, there's also a lot of like guidance. Then, like for me, it's clear cut. Like how to say it. Like if 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 you cross a line, 
it's fairly clear for like for me like, it's obvious but to everyone some people perhaps need their hand holding a little bit and we are an industry um we're all in this together uh so I'm, I'm more than happy to work on the CBA side to help with the guidance to say to someone in private and sometimes it does need calling out and sometimes it needs it's a quiet word in private that says like oh well, maybe this isn't okay and it depends how receptive they are um and honestly nine times out of ten they're like oh crap i didn't see that let me change it mm. um so as in i mean i i want this industry to be to be great and i want everyone to kind of work towards greatness and um yeah do you feel and see that progress has happened uh it's not just the important groups obviously seba and camera have both made statements over the last year as well absolutely yeah, yeah. and, and we've, we've seen camera change their approach to festivals up and down the country yeah. absolutely yeah absolutely um so again i mean all the all the words coming from the organizations we're now beginning to see action in actual festivals and um them doing it but i think the moment's really going to come is where these um where these things are being te- when they're tested if that makes sense so yeah. when, when they're prodded i think is when we're really going to see um people's reactions and stuff but i am i am I, i'm hopeful i'm glad it's on the agenda it's not just in beer it's happening all around the world um it's happening all across the UK in a various other industries as well. Um, I think, I think, I think the real thing will come when we have more women who are um, in the boardrooms, more women who are head brewers, more women that are owners, more more women that are at the top of the game, and are not just there because they tick a box or because they what have you. Um, I, I I think it's about us all making a a conscious effort. Um, to try and be as inclusive as we can. If, if we want this industry to grow, we want this industry to progress, it's about, um, it's about opening doors for others and, uh, and holding a hand as you mm-hmm. lead them through. So, so, so. so ultimately, you aren't, you're comfortable being one of those spokespeople? No, <laughs> I'm extremely uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I think anybody's ex- extremely uncomfortable. I, I'm, not, I'm not anybody but who I am. I mean... But I, 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 I would say, and a few people have said this to me, um, and I see it in, in, in other industries, like I think it's important you could only be what you can see. Um, and I, th- I think that that's important in like the television industry, the what have you industry, um, whatever, in banking, for example. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 it's important. And I think, I don't know, my 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 fellow colleagues in London who are head brewers, people like Jen Merrick, people like Sophie Durand of Burnt Mill, um, them just doing their jobs awesomely is like that's going to inspire loads of people to. Get oh, into definitely. Beer. It's going to inspire loads of women to pick up beer. So well, that, that's you, you. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. So it's also it's not just about being maybe public face, public voice of it. It's also literally these people can do it they're producing as good as if not better at times they're still they're just doing it oh yeah i mean i mean the thing the thing that the thing that i've been trying to work the thing that's been my focus has been like legislation like trying to get it so we changed the rule book R- rather than talking about 
this is bad or this is good, changing the set of rules we work on. That That's what I've been focusing on. Um, and we're, 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 we're there, we're there to a certain extent, but we're not there in, in, in other areas. So that's what I'm going to continue kind of pl- pl- plodding on with. I don't okay. think it's particularly public facing. I just think it's like a lot of the work happens in the background. So progress, but plenty more to do. Yeah, always, always. But as you say, the fact that we've now got Portman guidelines that Absolutely. are specifically saying yeah. you can't do this yeah. is, 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 a, is a massive step forward. It's a, it? Yeah, it's, it's a massive step forward. And, and also it's a huge amount of work. It's a huge amount of work went into it in the background that no one sees from SIBA. A huge amount of work. A huge amount of work went in for, like, for me. A huge amount of work went in from like Melissa Cole. Like a lot of people working in a not non-public facing way, in the background. So it's um, and and it's don't get me wrong. It's really really important for people to say their opinions so you can gather the public mood. And what was really great about that was because the Portman Group is a an industry an industry group it will take the opinions of what everyone thinks and implement that. So when we called out and said, we need everyone to say what they think on this particular subject, people came, people performed, people delivered. So it's a, it's not a few individuals, it's kind of a group. It's the UK brewing scene achieved that. That's brilliant. That's that. And it's also positive for Portman because there's been plenty of non-positive news yeah. about Portman in the past. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. So this is one of their plus plus side moments, isn't it? Absolutely, and and, and also, as, as you say, Sebra have had a lead role in that as, 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 as well, and, and that can only be good for, for them as an organisation as, as well. Definitely, it gets everyone on side, shows progressive movement, shows that they're doing something. It's not just talking about it, it's actually words lead to actions. Mm-hmm. Talk is cheap. Yeah. <laughs> New beer in front of us, which is the beer that you mentioned earlier on. Yes. Uh, this is the Passion Fruit Ghost. Yes, this is our Passion Fruit Ghost. So this is a, a 4.8% ghost made with a lot of uh, passion fruit, a lot of uh, very, very expensive passion fruit. Um, it is a, a style from northern Germany, so a ghost style, so a salted sour wheat beer, um, minus some of the herbs actually, and heavy on the fruit. So the fruit is kind of the modern part that's not typically associated with that part of the world, but um, the ghost is very much a base ghost style. Okay, and this was the one that we referenced earlier being presented at part of the SEBA, Michelin. This is part of the Michelin style event, yeah. yeah. So so this is a beer that is, um, it's quite popular this one, um, in a way that I was not really expecting. We just made it as a special, as a one-off, and um, this is now iteration brew. This is brew number four in cans that was meant to be a one-off special. I've just done it again, so I've got some in stock at the minute in keg. Um, so yeah, I wasn't expecting to brew this ever again, and it's it's happened. It's to been come back. really popular. It's been popular, so um, you got to listen to the people, don't you? Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah if someone says basically brew it again, then you kind of have to. Yeah. Well, let's yeah. find out. So, then. Um, let's give so, it a yeah. Chance. Cheers. So, cheers. Thank you. Thank you. You get the passion fruit on the nose. You get it in that initial flavour as, as well. What you also get both on the nose and on, 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 on the flavour is just that hint of salt. Yeah. As, as, as well, which is kind of classic to the style, isn't it? Yeah, yes. exactly. And there's a sharpness to it as well. There is, yes, yes, yes. So um, the salt really adds a, um, a focus kind of to the flavour. Um, 
and that, that that savory note is is I think it works quite well here. Yeah, but it, yeah. it really yeah. balances against. It works really well together mm-hmm. at the end. Yeah, the, again, it's got a, it's got a really dry finish. It it, it cuts you off straight mm. away on the finish. But that finish is balanced between that savoury and, 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 and sweetness. The sharpness really does work for me as a focus. It's a really good way of putting mm. it, actually. Yeah. Mm. Straight away. I've got the fruit, but the sharpness, when you taste it, very under- quite clean. Is yeah. That, is that the word I want to use? Yeah, absolutely. There's a cleanness to it. Yeah, like, So although there's a lot going on, the passion fruit, the salt, and the sharpness, and basically a bit of that pithy bitterness, yeah. there's a cleanness to it as well. Mm. I can really see why this, why you put this forward to go to a to, to a food inspired event. Yeah. Because yeah. I can see it working with so many different dishes. Yeah. In fact, I paired this on the new. We were filming the new season of the wine show recently, and it was a. Um, it was my job to. I was in competition with the other lead presenter for um, to to pair a beer with Thai food or wine with Thai food, which one goes better? Obviously, beer wins yeah, over wine. <laughs> exactly. But anyway, that's kind of the premise of the show. And um, and this beer just worked so beautifully with those, um, um, with this kind of tropical kind of fruit flavour. I was going to say, there's so, so much so aromatic with Thai food yeah, as well. exactly. I can see this definitely working. Yeah. Definitely. And, you know, you can picture yourself in Thailand on a beach. Having, yeah, having exactly. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Definitely. Rather than saying having a, a, a mango latte or something like that. Yeah, do you know what I mean? It's, um, I think beer reaches places I think wine can't. And I know, I know I'm sure wine people would, would probably argue differently with me, but... Um, Fortunately, none of those listen to the show. Oh. <laughs> so you've, got, you've basically got a 100%, so, uh, 100% win rate on this one. Yeah. I'm talking to the wrong crowd. Yeah. It was the literal opposite of that event. I was, I was saying, beer is great, and everyone was like, hmm. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, it's an easier sell on this one. Yeah. Have you seen the public's perception of beer change since it's being used more on television, on 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 things like because obviously it features quite heavily on Channel Four Sunday Brunch. Yes, it is. Um, yeah. And obviously, you're you're, you're now a, a beer expert on a wine show. Do, do you see that the, the public change in their views uh, about the breadth of styles and flavours and yeah. tastes that there are in beer? Absolutely, and I think there are some real brands can really take responsibility for that in the UK. So you've got people like Brewdog, for example. Even everyone's heard of Brewdog. So, and then people associate that with craft beer and, and what have you. Mm-hmm. So no matter what your opinion is about them, like they have done so, so, so well in terms of getting it into the mainstream and getting it into people's conversations and getting it in, making people talk about it. And that's what, what we need. If we ever want to get above the, I think we're at, I think we're at 8% of the market now, approximately. That includes some of the bigger brands. Um, but if we ever want to reach kind of the heights of America, the things that they're doing in terms of craft beer is in pretty much every corner shop, right? Almost. Oh, yeah, we, we, right? We, but we've both been in the last few years, haven't we? We've both spoken about yeah. that. I was blown away the first time. Going to, going to, your, into a going to your Safeway. Yeah. And suddenly all these beers are like... Have bigger trolley in fridge if I got back at the apartment. So. Yeah, but like, but like, surely the goal has got to be us getting more of the big brewers' pie. Just like their goal is to squish us, our goal has to be to to, to fight back, and we can only do that collectively. We can only do that together because we're too small to do it individually. Yeah. Um, and and the fact that we're now seeing more beers in UK supermarkets mm-hmm. uh, has, has has got to be lending itself. To, to that and you've been quite 
heavily involved in that as well, haven't you, from Wildcard's point of view, in terms of what we've seen happen in Tesco in the last year. You've had your core beers go in and you've had a lot of specials go go into supermarkets as as, as well. That, I I don't imagine that happened by mistake. (laughs) Uh, Nothing happens with Tesco (laughs) by mistake. So uh, uh, Tesco employs someone called a barcode administrator. And it's their job to all day look at barcodes and to make sure barcodes are up to scratch. So there is not a single thing that happens in Tesco that is by accident. Wow, I'm, I'm not saying. sure I'd ever want that on my uh, CV. Imagine no, if that's your job. No. Like it's a, Barcode supervisor. It's a, anyway. Um, yeah. So w- w- what's, what's really interesting has been all the talk about this. So we were selling to Tesco before this whole thing happened this year. We were selling to them for a year before our bottled range. But then this year everyone else kind of joined and they started doing cans and Tesco requested of us to do cans so we said you know what okay as in mm. if we get this contract we can afford to buy a canning line off that that's, that's massive for us um, and then all of a sudden we had all this talk about it and it, you know what I mean you know, you know when I've already been managing this contract for a year and then suddenly everyone wants to talk about it mm. and I'm, 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 I'm fine with it but it's just very it's interesting the, the role that hype plays in terms of we were kind of doing it under the radar before and all of a sudden it's kind of conversation. Yeah, I mean, Tesco had a decent range for the last couple of years. I would say before that, we were big advocates of Marks and Spencers had quite a decent okay. yeah. mixed, mixed range and good, some good selections of beers. Um, Sainsbury's had fallen off a cliff as there has been nondescript. But then I suppose this year, as well as all the cans going in, you had uh, Domo beers on Instagram. Yeah, really driving. I mean, the driving hype. <laughs> that engagement on Instagram. I mean, uh, he was on it, properly on it, with new releases on a Monday, and then not just a Monday. This is Tuesdays, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And they're all going to be in the shops, and he really, you know, in our world anyway, in our beer bubble, he definitely got known, didn't he? But you know what this is with Domo, right? Domo's a beer fan. Ultimately, yeah. he's not a beer buyer. Well, he is a beer buyer. Yeah. <laughs> he's literally. But he's a beer, a beer buyer. fan first. He's a no. He he is a beer. He's a beer fan. So as in when we went to see him, like he's there. Obviously, he's negotiating. He's doing his job. But that Instagram, he doesn't have to do that for work. No, no, no. But, like yeah. as in that's his. That's his personal life. That that's like that's if you guys were the head beer buyer of Tesco, what would you do? But you would, you would you would pick out your favourites and you would you, you don't spend that much time on Instagram and I mean I bloody do it myself you don't unless you love it yeah. so he's he's been great but he's done it really well he, he did drive that during the summer when those big releases were coming out people knew about him because of his Instagram posts yeah, yeah. I know uh, I saw them <laughs> and, and people were either tweeting about them or Facebook about them or messaging on Instagram he was definitely driving that engagement yeah. and driving people saying. I went in there on Monday and they weren't there, kind of thing. Now, you know, he got people enfused about going to the there supermarket. A, there was a very this. angry message, I don't know if you saw it, on UK supermarket yeah. craft beer forum that was like, I went into the shop at Domo, it's your fault. This, this <laughs> the fella that did the 15 mile round trip to try and find the beers that wasn't... Oh, that was tweeted as well, wasn't <laughs> it? Yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't like happy that. that the beers weren't in the Tesco's that he chose to go oh, to. Oh, well, goodness <laughs> me, goodness um, me. The most difficult part of it is um, filling up the stores. So, for example, like um, we're gonna have an easier time like this from this for, this kind of April March time because we're already in the stores. Um, because we changed from 
everything was in bottle to everything being can. It was like us working with them for the first time. So we had to fill all the stores. I'm not saying all the Tesco's because they're very kind of... Um, they're very gentle with you and very supportive of you. So if you're, it's one of the reasons why such small breweries like ours has been even to have a conversation with them because they say to you, okay, you can only supply 200 stores. Okay, well then let's put you in 200 stores. They don't try and overwhelm you with volume, if that, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're really quite gentle in, That's the, quite way interesting they, in, so in they, the way they work with you. If they think you can do more, you do more stores. If they think yeah. it might be a bit tough at the start, they start ease you, you into with, it. Yeah, they ease you in with it. Yeah. So is in so Tesco, for example, they have they must have like three or four thousand stores. They have a lot of stores across the UK. So of of all the conversation that we're all having about beer, beer is only in a fraction of all of its stores. So beer could be doing a lot, 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 lot more. Um, but they are very they do kind of ease you in and they are quite gentle with it. And they do kind of for all the kind of reputational stuff you've heard in the past, yeah. it's just not been our experience. Our experience has been they pay on time, our payment terms are ridiculously small, and they pay on time. Like as as in uh, we we get we get good money, good price, and they pay the bills. As a customer, and your and your beer is in two hundred and fifty Tesco's. So it's, people, it's, it's out there. Yeah, it's out there. You I mean our beers are in stores? I mean it's 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 not even about the it's that's not even part of it. It's about the the main importance is they buy something and they pay for it on time. And that's, that, that's what helps us pay the bills. That's what's allowed us to buy a canning line and allowed us to do the cashmere IPA. And allowed us oh, to I was going to say, as, as a result like, We can't that, do this without that. You've been able to grow yeah. as a direct result of, yeah. of, of some of that, that yeah. work as well. Which goes back to Brewdog's, Brewdog's starting point, wasn't it? Yeah. It was getting their beer into Tesco on day one for their, what was it, their hardcore IPA. I think that was yeah. It was one Under of the, the first. Tesco finest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So, do, do they have any influence in terms of what they want you to supply? Do, do, yeah. So they say to you, obviously, one of the things with the last sort of like tranche that we saw of beers coming in, there were a lot of stouts. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, which we've never yeah. seen in supermarkets before. Yeah. You, you've had you've had Guinness. And that's about it in terms of <laughs> if you want a dark beer in a supermarket, you've had Guinness. Maybe but, the old Mackesons. Yeah, but Tesco's were very aware of that. And when they released the last lot of beers, end of August, beginning of September, there were stouts of which you had the raspberry we, yeah, chocolate we, Yeah, stout. we had the raspberry yeah. chocolate stuff. So, so they're very, so basically they, so we have with them, we have our core range you know, all, all year round and then we have specials. We only do, and it's something that's our choice, and we've chosen to do this way. We only, we will go to Tesco and say, what beer do you want? They'll say, we want this. And then we say, well, if you want it to that level, it's going to cost you this much. And then we kind of talk about it, and then we settle on a hot rate, and we settle on a, a deal or what have you. Um, and we will sign a contract that says we can only sell it to them, and we refuse to sell it to anybody else. And we do it exclusive. Um, and that's how we choose to work with them. I know other breweries do it pro- probably differently, where they have stuff in other stores and what have you. But for us, we've got a wide, we've got a myriad of different customers in terms of restaurants and theatres and cinemas and bottle shops and what have you. And it's it's like a juggling act of keeping everybody happy. Um, so for us, it wouldn't really be a good idea for us to come out with. 
two 440 mil cans in the same place at the same time it'd be a terrible idea mm. so no, no, um, it, it makes perfect sense but so can you so you, do, you wouldn't even have it at the tap room we don't no so you, unless you, unless there's been a drama so if you see any ex tesco beers in our tap room that means there's been a drama so oh, okay yeah okay. so unless there's been a drama so barring we dramas sign bar, barring dramas we sign contracts exclusivity contracts so we 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 don't we don't we don't we just don't even want to get involved in uh, people buying direct from us stuff that's available in the supermarket. Because because we have seen quite a few independent bottle shops quite publicly fall out with breweries over the fact that they were stocking the same beer in supermarkets that they were selling to them. Have have you had any issues with any in, independent bottle shops because you're being featured in Tesco? Oh, honestly, not massively. Honestly, not massively. Um, so, core range, which is what we've gone heavily into supermarkets with, um, it's honestly the bottle shops don't really want that anyway. They want really want to focus on the specials and the things that are brand new. And so we will make stuff like the passion fruit ghost we've just tried, stuff like the cashmere and the smoothie pail. That this is kind of what we what we will send to bottle shops and we'll make for them. Um, but not 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 massively for us. I mean, I, I, I can see the problem, and I, and I can see where it would be a big issue. Um, but for, like for us, we've on purpose when you call us. Yeah, you can buy the uh, parallel if you want to. You can buy the IPA if you want to. But a lot of the price reduction that you see in a supermarket, when people say things like, "Oh, you're making it. It's cheaper to buy in a supermarket than it costs us to produce." That's just not correct it's not true um the money saving the reason why it's cheaper in a supermarket is distribution and that's simply it so it costs us to deliver to a bottle shop it costs us what 11 12 pounds to deliver four items to any place in london and that's four items like the stuff we do to supermarkets we sell by the pallet we sell by the we sell in large quantities and it gets picked up from us so it's um it's just a distribution mm. um but in terms of in terms of people falling out with breweries we just haven't had that experience and i'm sure if you're producing the same product that that that's an issue i'm sure it's it seems, it seems you're very yeah. clear in in terms of you you know that the core product is going here but then you've got all these wonderful specials that you're making which you know are going to appeal to the to the, to the public that aren't going to necessarily buy their beer from a supermarket yeah, absolutely. and they're going to go to their local specialist yeah, independent shop and they're absolutely. going to want they're always going to want something new exactly and for example passion fruit it's the most one of the most expensive fruits money can buy I, don't, like, I think you've mentioned I've mentioned it that. a few times it hurts it hurts how expensive it is but like that's, that's just never going to work in a supermarket ever 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 but it's something that we we can do and we have the freedom to do off the back of having a a, a, like, a, like, a, like a contract that allows us to play in these other areas so for us it's allowed us to it's allowed us to do stuff like like get a catalog we now have a packaging manager like even the even the concept of that even having a packaging manager like we used, we used to we used to contract out all of our packaging before now everything's in house so you know what I mean it's, uh, it's allowed us to grow it's allowed us to um, employ more staff it's allowed us to, to pay them better like um, it's and I, I don't think it's a question of 
should breweries be selling to supermarket? I think that growth is inevitable. It's the question is how how do we do this as an industry in a way that is um, positive or the least damaging to uh, as as many areas as as possible. And and do you worry about some of the the, the, the negative side of, of the supermarket ar- argument in terms of? Well, the beers aren't being looked after. They're not cold chained from source to source. They're sitting on warm supermarket <laughs> mate, mate, shelves. Mate, mate. Cold chain that pisses me off. That pisses me off because cold chain. I would love our beers to be cold chain. We live in England, for God's sakes. We don't live in America. We don't live in a really hot country or anything in particular. There is. I can count on one hand the distribution distributors. In fact, I don't think I can count on any hand the distributors we work with that do cold chain. There must be like one or two in the country who work on cold chain. Who is doing that? It's very few. You see mm. what I mean? It's quite, yeah, yeah. it's quite a luxurious and it's quite a specifically craft argument to make. Um, a good, there is a major issue with supermarkets and them not sell it, uh, having the beers in the fridges. That is an absolutely an argument, absolutely. And it's a conversation that we have with, the, we, we have with our buyer continuously. Like, when, when are you doing it? When are you doing it? When are you doing it? Um, the amount of bottle shops I've been into that do not have, that have beers on shelves... How many bottle shops do you know that have everything in fridges? There's, there's few. There's, there's, there's very few. Yeah, very, very few. That are 100%. That are 100%. There, there, yeah. There's always some in the fridge and everything else is on shelves. Yeah. There's a lot of hypocrisy. It's a lot of hypocrisy. I think I'm, I'm with you on the frustrating bit about supermarkets because some of them will have fridges and you'll go to them and you'll see absolutely. four pack of Peroni, <laughs> absolutely, a 12 fridges, pack of Bud. Yeah. And, and, and it's been pasteurized within an inch of its life. Yeah, and you're sitting there thinking, you've got, you've got some amazing beers on the shelf over there. Put them in the fridge. Can, can we get that them in the fridge? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. moving them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I have, but I've been asked to leave one. Yeah, yeah. No, but absolutely. But that sort of stuff is going to come from pressure yeah. from, from people they're working with or mm. the public or public opinion. Um, and don't forget for them, this is not a little bit of money. This is like probably tens of millions of pounds to put fridges across all oh, the craft yeah. range. This, this, is, this is for them a long-term commitment to the category. Yeah, if you start putting fridges in, it's not just it's, it's buying the fridges. Yeah. They're on 24 hours, so 365 days. It's, this, this, this is the issue, absolutely. Um, it's, but, it, but, but in terms of the distributors and the people we work with that have cold chain distribution... Okay, so you're left to I say, can literally think of one in the UK. I can think of one in the UK, and it's Jolly Good Beer, who does cold chain distribution. He does an absolutely fantastic job, he does. But so just, no one does it. No less concerned about the cold chain... But you would love it if Tesco, the Tesco extras, started either utilising their fridges or putting fridges in. I would like it if Co-op did it, because that's down the road from my ass. Uh, Co-op, the amount of beers I've had in there that are just like sat on a warm shelf in the middle of summer. <laughs> I'd also... Let's talk about Co-op. <laughs> they, put, they put them at the top shelf as well sometimes. I know, seriously. The seriously. Co-op on the nightmare for that. Most, most of my Co-ops near, near me always have, they certainly always have Adnams cans in the fridge. So they they know that some beer needs to go in the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> they're just not quite there with there. all beer. All beer. Everything is the, the amount of like warm redemptions because because they, they they do kind of the local co-op thing, don't they? Yeah. The amount of them is just insane. But um, I don't know with the these the supermarket thing is tricky. So it's it's not easy to. Um, it's it's not it's not an easy contract to manage. It's like it's it, it it's difficult and 
there is public opinion on it this year that for me didn't exist last year. So I'm quite cynical about the um, about some of the conversations that are being had because it just it just it wasn't there for me last year. I don't think it's got more polarised, but I think most conversations publicly have got more polarised than in most walks of life anyway. Because we've been talking about supermarket business since we started. Yeah. In the last three years, because I think there's been an incremental increase in some of the supermarkets over the last two or three years anyway. And we've spoken about it, especially say where certain people live, some of their best access to different and more modern style beers is the supermarket. So our, our take has always been, if it increases access and open the, open the markets to other people, for me, it's really a bad thing. And the thing is, it's like, it's like a good, a, I've never seen our beer in a supermarket shelf before, genuinely. I live in London, our beers are not stocked really heavily in the London stores. So for me, it's like when someone sends me a tweet or a picture from a shop in Manchester, from a shop in like Newcastle, like, we have no chance of our beer being there otherwise. Mm. Zero. So for us, it opens us up to new people. Yeah. We get to, it's just, like I've seriously never gone in and seen it. It's in the, it's in the big hypermarket stores, only in certain parts of the country. Yeah, we've had co- so we, we have some we comments about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've got, I mean, well, I, I certainly see it in where I am in Essex. Um, is it the big stores? Yes, yes, yeah, the, the big, big hypermarket stores. Yeah, it's yeah. the stores with space. Yes, it's yeah. the big stores that has the shelf space for the extra. Yeah, yeah. you know, you're not going to get in the, in the smaller ones because, like, say, even like the smaller Tesco's tend to go more generic. Small, you know what it is? The smaller carbs do local. They're hard. No, the smaller Tesco's are the high turnover products. So if you, um, if your product sells amazingly, you end up in. It'll the be there. Ones, yeah. So it's all about we need to sell more beer. <laughs> yeah. It's like a badge. Well, it, it it seems as though we're doing well in selling more beer. I mean, everything's on 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 the up, isn't it? You know, you, you say that the public perception is getting better. Your beer's available in more places. However, it seems the one area where we're still struggling a little bit is in other venues, um, which is which is something that you did tweet quite publicly about uh, <laughs> a few weeks ago which I think you were on a night out and you ended up in a nightclub and you were quite upset that there was no no decent beer on offer and um, we took that and we've used that as this week's question opinions 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 which was um is it about time that clubs, restaurants, concert venues, sports gowns, etc., 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 up their beer game? So we had 636 votes on this one. 94% of people saying yes, it, it, it's about time. I think that won't come as a surprise to anybody. The, the, the surprise about the 6%. The, the 6% of people that said no. Yeah. They're, they're quite happy with the offerings that they get in, yeah. in, in, in local venues. So, um, Jager, obviously, you, you did quite publicly have a, have a bit of a rant about that. Um, <laughs> I love that, the word rant. Yeah, what's, is, is that genuine, your, your feeling that places can do better with their beer offerings, with what they've got available now? It's just, I find it really frustrating, the fact that you will go somewhere and they will have, especially when you go out to like, to the club in inverted commas, and you go to some really posh place in Mayfair, or in this particular instance, I was in Canary Wharf, right? And um, they literally will have 10 champagnes. They might have 20 wines, a, a whole range of spirits. And they, they will have like one beer. It'll be one like mass market beer. And that's it. Just like no one's looked at it. It just gets completely overlooked. And it's, it's, um, 
yeah, it's... I, I don't know what's with that entire sector. Well, I do know what's with that entire sector, but it's... Um, it's very odd. It's very odd. I can I can definitely understand the frustration because obviously, you know, where we are in the city of London, even without going to a club, there's plenty of places I can go to if it's a work night out mm. and I can end up somewhere where I may have more than one choice, but it's more than one macro choice mm. that's available to me. And still not cheap either. And I'm thinking, more often than not, I will default to either say a pint of Guinness or maybe a gin and tonic at that point, because like, I don't want to spend six, or maybe six pound more on a pint of peroni, for example. And it's like, well, why would you do that to me? Give me, just give me a couple of choices. You, know, you, just, want, you, you, just, want, a, you just want an option, right? Yes. And the thing is, in this area, they'll charge a lot for anything. Like yes. It's, it's, it's an expensive well, place. Well, water, I'm buying water. You're buying water, <laughs> right? It's, just, it's, it's expensive. and So I, I don't really buy that it's a margin thing particularly because... No, you can charge more for it. I mean, it's, you, they haven't had to do anything for it. Yeah. Lift the can out. But it's all, mm. they're, all t- they're all tied up with contracts, yes. aren't they? They're all going through certain distributors. They're all... Um, but a lot of a lot of people miss out. So what did you do that night? What, what did I do that night? So I... Um, Spirits, spirits, Deep rum. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Drink rum. <laughs> it's not a bad time, is it? Drinking rum. JD and Coke. Just because I drink rum. Yeah, you know, you can go for it. Still drinkable. Didn't mind it. Actually, still quite. Like yeah, it's at least at least you've another option. Yeah, but so then it. But then it's it's the same thing. So I was I was with my friend, uh, my friend Raj, who's just stopped drinking, and um, and I was telling him about non-alcoholic spirits, right. And I was saying, oh, um, you, you don't have to always feel left out. You, you don't just have to drink sparkling water. Like there's a whole like a movement in yeah. the low alcohol, and even this bar with this the whole range of spirits um, had no, no no alcohol, non-alcoholic spirits, and um, and I was quite taken aback by that. But I think a lot of the stuff that we talk about, and we can be quite in the bubble of the industry and quite in the bubble of drinks generally yep. and sometimes it's we need to kind of get ourselves out a little bit and think what does the average average Joe or average Jane drink when they're out mm. and it's probably like fruity cider and um, you know what I mean there's a lot of drinks that we kind of dismiss as snobby types but that a lot of people drink it's the fastest yeah. growing Cider yeah. in the entire country is like sweet, fruity cider. It's the new it's version ridiculous. of alcohol. So it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's insane. But it's, but it's insane. But, but we just kind of, as an industry, we just dismiss it oh, out of, of hand. I mean, that, that, you know, we've all had those those times when we've been out, whether that be a seasonal thing or whatever. And for a lot of people, it's not they're not actually bothered about what they're drinking. It's just give me a drink and make sure there's alcohol in it still. And that's what that's what you, the place you went to was catering for. Although they did have some choices, but it was high high margins and it was alcohol. If you did want soft drinks, I presume you had sorry you had an option of soft drink or water as non-alcoholic. They had mocktails. They had mocktails. Yeah, but they I were, mean, they're not cheap. Yeah, they're not cheap. But no, but, but no, but then it's about. I think the question is, if you really want to reach out in beer to a wider range, is how do we bring these people with us? You know what I mean? If, yeah. if, if we really want to become a higher percentage of the market, 
Well, that's an absolute perfect segue into the first comment as, yeah. as well. It's, 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 like, it's like you've read the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, which was actually from the, the guest on the last show, James Calder, at JM Calder 101. Um, James commented. Yeah, he's commented. He, he basically said it's a hugely untapped market for small independents. A few like Five Points and Colonel are doing festivals and restaurant trade well, but on licences other than pubs are 66% of the total of all on-trade licensed premises. Yeah, he sent us facts, didn't he? He sent us facts, he sent us a diagram and, <laughs> and, and everything. Clearly diagrams don't work on an audio podcast. No, um, but if you look it up, you can find it online anyway. Yeah, yeah I mean, as always, the, 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 the opinions question is in the show notes. You can click on that question, you can go through, you can see all the responses. That, that people made to this question. They're basically saying that, that 60%, 60% of the on-trade market is other than pubs. Yeah. So that's all these other venues that we're that. talking about. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a higher number than I would have thought, I have to admit. Because maybe because I operate in the world of pubs or tap rooms or bars, the fact that there's six, that's 34% of the market I'm only tapping up most of the time. Yeah. And there's 66% of the market which isn't really getting impacted by maybe the world or we operate in. Do you know, um, so some of our best customers, we've got a really amazing customer who is a curry house, who is a restaurant, they only sell our beer and they buy our lager. And uh, we shift more through them than we will any of the traditional like beer avenues yeah. ways. And it's just like a, yeah, it's a, the, like volume is important how did, you, how, how did you get in there though so the way we got in there the way we got in there is physically knocking on doors so that 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 is someone from the sales team going around being like do you want craft beer on your menu and that restaurant will eventually say you know what we will have craft beer on the menu for whatever reason um let, let's have you in let's replace our mass market lager brands and let's put you in there but it, but but being the only Drink on a menu in a restaurant is is a good place to be. Oh, it's definitely. A place to be. Would Would you have sold it as craft beer or would you have sold it as local beer? Local. And, and it's, yeah, we would have sold it as local beer. They don't care about well, well, they, well, they do care, but they do care. I'm, I'm not. We would have sold it as we're based down the road. You offer high quality meat that you've sourced locally. You you offer high quality uh, fish that you've sourced locally. You've gone to. Um, You've, you've gone to get it from Billingsgate or what have you um, why should you not sell yeah. like like local you hire locally you pay well you should be serving local beers yeah lends itself quite nicely to some of these comments here actually so Justin Mason at 1970s boy uh, said yes to this one but needs to be viewed as a premium product to make it the high, to make to the highest tables but it's simply not nevertheless stocking good beer from a local brewery or breweries and advertising it as such may enhance the green credentials of an establishment with it which which did so mm. um, and a couple of others as well talking about that local element um, Katsio at Petrinus a new restaurant that's just opened near my house. They have a varied and expensive wine list, including some orange and natural options, but the only beer available are IPA or Parallel, although these are from local guys at Brick Brewery, which is a good start. So again, it's great that a lot of people are looking into those local options in, in terms of the beers that are available to go onto their restaurant menu. Yeah, and I like that different slant, rather than having it as craft, local. It's a good. It's a good foot in the door. That absolutely, one. yeah, absolutely. Because again, if you come back to Joe Public, they maybe craft probably doesn't really mean anything to them. Whereas local does. Yeah. Mm. And it's definitely a, a local movement 
outside of any sort of craft beer bubble where we operate in anyway. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. There is a general movement in the UK generally for people going towards artisanal, going towards locally made, going yeah. towards small batch produced products. And we absolutely need to be all over that. Yeah, that's, that's the way no, it that's is. That's us, that's yeah, us. Yeah, ab- <laughs> absolutely, yeah. As um, in bread, look at sourdough bread. It's everywhere. Yeah, you can't You can't move for sourdough. Yeah. Um, Richard Weir at rich underscore W27. Smaller music venues are getting it right and more. Uh, the Clooney in Newcastle, the old Lord Drake in Durham, for example. The likes of academy venues will never provide anything at macro. Sports venues will probably cite turnovers and issues if bars aren't always open. I think there are some bigger issues there, though, aren't there, in terms of the bigger venues and the sports venues, in terms of sponsorship deals, licensing Absolutely, deals, yeah. turnover, are they actually they going to get run, through? They also run the bars, do the lines, especially for some of the smaller clubs. So Colchester United, which used to be in my local club, was completely tied into Green King. Yeah. Mm. But, the, but then that's how they do the deals. They do the deals yeah. on purpose to have exclusivity and, import, and more importantly to exclude the smaller group, isn't it? And so. also the, the, the club has already got that guaranteed money written in. So yeah. there's a certain amount which they're going to get regardless. Well, I suppose in terms of football, the two the two big ones that we've seen this year have been Beavertown putting the mm. brewery into White Hart Lane and Arsenal now signing a deal with Camden Town as well yeah. to, to, to stock their beers exclusively at the Emirates Stadium. Which is quite cool. So, again, it's small steps, isn't it? Yeah. And there is the argument around independence and those breweries and their ability to actually buy into those bigger venues and almost tie them into those sponsorship deals. Another new beer, Another before beer. we go any further through these comments. And we've gone a little bit outside of London on this one. We, we have, So, um, but continuing our Ciba trilogy of, <laughs> of, of, of shows, or Ciba related shows, uh, this is uh, one of the beers we were going to feature on, on, on the last show, but it didn't make it quite in and this is from Abidale Brewery who are based in Sheffield yep. um, but this is from their funk dungeon element of, of what Abidale do so I think this is where, where, where Jim lives and creates all these things down in, straight from his beard in the basement yeah uh, so this is uh, chapter 2 funk dungeon slam dunk defunk uh, and yes apparently it was named after the I think it was the five song of the same <laughs> name back in back in the day, but this is a beer that um, Melissa Cole was was involved in brewing, and she was specifically involved in this um, to use flavours that would again continuing on a theme that we've been discussing discussing tonight that would help this beer to be paired with various foods okay. as, as, as well. So this has got in it um, using the Middle Eastern ingredients as an inspiration. It's been fermented with kefir and barrel aged for eight months in neutral oak to produce a rounded fruit flavour and soft tartness with a hint of vanilla and finish. Uh, it's also got black apricots, black limes and sumac spice in it. So, there's quite a lot going to be going on in this, I think. Not the beer you'd normally go for then, Steve? Not the beer I'd normally go for on a little yeah. bit. Um, Cheers. So, with this particular brewery, right, so I, I had... I had one of the cans, and it's one of those ones that turned up at my house, and I just had no idea where it had come from. And I cracked it open. It was also from the Funk Dungeon series. It was their breaded, it was part of their breaded series, and it's just honestly absolutely superb, like phenomenal, and um, unusual in the fact that you don't often see these kind of beers in can. 
they, they're mm. really difficult to package like this no, it's not easy to package um, wild beers or beers that have been breaded um, into can and they have done something that I haven't really seen before in the UK um, I haven't really seen before anywhere really um, and I don't think they're getting enough props for in terms of some of the beers that they're producing in some of the packaging formats that they're producing it in because in terms of technical difficulty this is as hard as it gets if I was in Belgium I was having this beer in a cafe I would never it would never ever turn up in a can it'd be from a bottle or a tap mm. and this is comparable to any of the the Belgium type of beers I think it's a really it's got it's, it's like a sour dark fruit the the Flavour wise, the first thing I thought of was Rodenbeck. It's, yeah. it's, it's a mm. little bit like that for, for for me. Maybe not so much on the finish, on the initial flavour. A lot of those dark fruit, fruits up front, a, a, a lot of fizz going on there, a lot of life. That's what was my initial thought was. Some of that dies off. It's not overly sour. Uh, again, towards the end, it's quite a balanced sourness that it finishes with. I still think your sour range has changed. Don't reckon if we'd done this three years ago. You would have found it sour, sour, more sour to your palate. Uh, yeah, maybe. maybe I think there's still, there still a, it's, it's got an underlying sourness rather than tartness to it yeah. for me. And it's, um, but again, there's a real, it? there's a real, there's a real com- uh, complexity with this beer, and it is. I'm, I'm seriously impressed in terms of what this UK brewery is producing is of a standard that's very high. That you could take this to Belgium, and you'd be you'd, you'd it wouldn't be out of place. It wouldn't be out of place mm. at all. And the fact that you and, and it's that's that's high praise yeah. in itself. Oh, so, so I could um, I could imagine drinking this uh, outside a Belgian cafe. You've been there. You said Rodenbach struck to mind, and yeah. Rodenbach is a bit, bit of a benchmark for a lot of people. Mm. So you're you're putting that in the same phrases. So I I think it's really really good, and the branding is very striking as well. Um, so continuing with some of the opinions comments. From John Rogers at JM Rogers 2000. Given the quality in the local Manchester beer scene, I'm amazed how poor is man- the offer at Manchester City is. Yes, I get the concept of partners dominates, but promoting Manchester breweries on a rotating basis would answer issues around capacity while also promoting Manchester community. And I suppose that's where the comment you already made about uh, Beaver Town and Camden with Arsenal and Spurs. So yeah. comparable sized clubs have managed to get things in, but they're not. You know, both of those breweries have had input from from macro, haven't they? Yes, they have. Yeah, so there's a little bit more money that they've got to use. Yeah, so they can do, maybe do the capacity and stuff. Um, from Discomrobulated, at Discomrobulated, it usually boils down to sponsorship. Large companies can afford to pay more lucrative sponsorship, and that may include corporate facilities, tents, seating, stillage, etc. It's a shame that organisations like Camera or Siva don't, or can't operate as a competitor. Could you ever see Siva being able to compete or come together somehow as an organisation to get their Siva members' drinks into places like this? I think absolutely. And with the beer X that Siva does, which is exactly what I think it should be doing, is to get members' beers into places that are too difficult for us to get into as individuals. So it's and where the, the collaborative, all of you together a bit, bit are the, stronger the than, in, than individually. I, I, I don't think the particular scheme that Zebra's doing at the moment is working, but 
I absolutely feel if that was going to go anywhere in the future, it, that's where it would be. So things like um, things where we're competing with big corporate sponsorship. Okay, so where the members can all so Siva present the members as a group. Absolutely, yeah, and you compete with Heineken. Yeah, so there, there is, so you would see that as there is a a market that Siva could try and get into by Absolutely. working working together. I think mm. I think that's what your trade body needs to be working for, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, but it, but it also needs to be a price that the members are happy with and can cope with. So yes, that's been one of the big things this year has been um, the price has been we we need to be able to survive and we need to be able to live and on the prices we get from it. Yeah, no, definitely. Oh, I think that's uh, that'd be really positive if if that, that came out for me. I mean. A few football clubs are starting to get involved, you know. Um, so it'd be good if this can stretch out a little bit further as well. It'd be great to turn up at, to watch your, your favourite football team and have a beer that may not be from your favourite brewery, but one that you thought actually Wait, it'd be nice. something it'd local. Be amazing, yeah. um, from Cask Theology, Cask Theology, voted yes, but I kind of have a horse in this race. I've been a pub co employee for literally decades. I'm glad I found a brand, but a brand that's big on Carscale. Now, all I'm all for all of the above mentioned up in their beer game, but my main concern is this: will it be looked after well? True, absolutely yeah. true, absolutely true. There, there are so many venues, so 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 many venues that just cannot handle like keg beer. Yeah, you need to have a cold space. Um, we we had a customer, not naming any names because it's still a customer who. Um, who had um, our beer on draft and I, I went in because I was getting calls that it was um, uh, the beer was fobbing and I'm like well the beer should be fobbing so I, I kind of turn up and um, the beer was being stored next to the kitchen in the cellar it was in a really posh restaurant in town in the cellar next to the kitchen I kid you not it was like 40 degrees down there. Oh. it was like it was so hot and I was like, and the beer's been here, and they were buying large quantities at a time, so they got a bit of a discount on the large quantities, but that meant they were going through it really slowly, so we just sat there for ages in this warm, warm area, and they had this cold room, okay, I'm going to say cold room, a warm room, that was for their wines, but all the wines were perfectly kept, (laughs) it was like 18 degrees or something, it was temperature controlled, and I said, could you at least put our kegs in the wine room, please? So we can at least have 18 degree beer. And they were like, no, there's no space. You know what I mean? So we, we just had to take, to take the line out. Like, I don't, it doesn't matter how much you want craft beer, your venue and the knowledge there is just isn't there. So we'll put beer in your fridges in a small pack, but they just weren't set up for it at all. But it's really quite common. Because everyone, obviously, we know that cask can be very temperamental if you don't look after it right. It's actually quite good to hear someone talk about the cake, ver- cake version of the beers. You know, you still have to look after it. You still Absolutely. have to store it, store it, spend it correctly. Absolutely, yeah. Because Absolutely. most people will go back to it's the brewery not producing the beer right, rather than the venue well, not delivering the right. These are it, yeah. these are unfiltered, unpasteurized products. If you think about it, think about it like it's milk. 
right? If you get a bottle of milk and you don't store it in the fridge, what happens to your milk? Not going to curdle or go off. They go simple, simple, really. Simple. Isn't it? JT at Owl and Metal. Uh, marginally, but in my in my opinion, the pricing is an issue to me. If they're happily charging five pound plus for a three thirty mil cans of macro, then I just think how much they charge for anything out better. Have you fair, been anywhere which has had both yeah. options though? Uh, I can't say I have no. No, see, that's the thing. I, I haven't actually been to anywhere which has given me that comparison point anyway. I was at a festival in Nottingham, a festival called Detony, um, I think it was last year, the year before, and they had brew dogs, cans of brew dog, and they had cans of whoever else. And um, the brew dog was, I think it was a pound more, one pound fifty more, on an already expensive can. So the, the ordinary can was like five pounds, and that was like six fifty. Mm. But I think, but the thing is, but then it, it's. I think it's a really tricky option. I think if you're already going to an event or a festival or the cinema or somewhere like that, the markups are, are huge. Anyway, on everything. On everything, right? So it's it's a matter of is spending the difference between ten dollars and thirteen dollars. You're already spending a huge amount of money. Oh, I don't spend. Yeah, you, you, you know what I mean. So, so, so in a situation like I said, the difference between a fiver and six fifty. That links quite nicely to the the next comment actually, which is from uh, craft lover Mark Johnson at Mark and Johnson. Uh, my answer is different for each one. On the whole, I tend to drink good beer pre gig, pre sports match, pre clubbing, and even pre meal sometimes. Or afterwards, I'm not that fussed about the drink at the event itself, as that's as it isn't what I'm there for. Would it be nice? Yes. Does it bother me? Not particularly. I drink beer a lot. Sometimes it's nice to have an overpriced GNT instead, or a glass of water. Nothing Mark, to add to that. M- Mark not sitting on the fence for a change. No. Though. Yeah, it makes a change for him, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the last comment uh, from Guzla at Lagging underscore Boat. No excuse really for every venue not to at least stop Punk IPA, <laughs> which I think it is pretty much everywhere these days, isn't it? Yeah. I can't Seems think of too many right. places where. I feel like Brewdog's been a hot topic of today's uh, discussion. <laughs> they, they often get mentioned. In, an, in a, a very unintentional way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just you can't help but avoid them sometimes. That's that. Well, not that's, avoid them. That's the thing. Um, as always, loads of great comments. Um, for, for that this week and um, keep the comments coming use the hashtag opinions and you may very well appear in the next section of the show let us know write it down let us know write it down let us know your thoughts and bitter in lingerness write it down so first up we had from Neil Hayden at Neil Hayden 73 fascinating show and great to hear from James I didn't know a lot about Seba so really interesting to find out what they do yeah and I think yeah, that worked quite well because um he was very informative, but very, um, he was quite sharp with how he speaks. I mean, you know him, Jager. He's, mm. he's, he's a very good speaker. I think he's done, the, he's, he's done the speaking and presenting bit before, hasn't he? In different walks of life. So mm-hmm. I mean, he came across really well with the information. I, I know more about Siva than I did before. Yeah, I think um, with James in particular, so he's quite an unusual CEO. Like he's quite, he's quite young, yeah. he's quite dynamic, he's quite... Um, I think it's an act of choice the brewing brewers have chosen for someone a little bit different, someone who's going to represent a wider um, stretch of the brewing industry, help represent the craft beer industry in particular. So um, I think it's been an active choice yeah, I think by the brewers, I, and I think everyone's quite pleased. I see it, and it's a positive move. Yeah. And now having met mm-hmm. him, we've obviously seen a lot of what he'd said in the first few months, got him on the show spoke to him had a couple of drinks afterwards as well and yeah 
very very engaging individual yeah and he and and, and like i said at the end of the day he he loves beer and when there's someone you're talking to or someone in that position whose focus at the bottom of it is they love beer and they love to support independence and only positive things can come from that really yeah yeah seems a bit homebrewing as well doesn't he yeah so, so he knows beer yeah so from Gregor at Gregor underscore J underscore love this week's show engaging discussion from James who is very engaging and passionate about beer and is very clued up about the modern beer scene one of my favourite shows to date oh, some nice feedback yeah that thank you very much Gregor it's, it's very much a theme isn't it a lot of people really enjoyed the, 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 the chat with, with, with James so again uh, Mark Johnson at Mark N. Johnson great show as someone who's been openly critical of Ciba I like the honesty and openness in this and hearing about the new, new initiatives also James is a very succinct talker I look forward to what's coming up yeah there's a plenty of positives so Sean O'Reilly at Uncrulio um, I have to say that James struck a fine balance between acknowledging that Seba has made some mistakes while being respective, respectful of his predecessors. Yep. And he was, he's very, he knew that things hadn't been quite right before, but he also knew that they had still built up the organisation. It was, it was really well balanced, I thought. Yep. Another one, Mr. WP at Right Heart Lane. Great pod and Seba chat. As a casual, it's part of the beery chat that I don't get to hear often. So lots, lots of really nice feedback yeah. uh, about that chat with James. Um, and then the, 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 the other point this week as well was from Ian Hay at II Hay, uh, who did make a comment um, on the previous show that he was drinking a beer from uh, in Argentina. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he, he failed to mention what, what that beer was. So uh, he just listened to the show and he said that we have a point when name checking a Benazero's Aries beer, you should include the name. Um, so it was Olafsson Porter had some of those honey ones as well also good okay. so it's a bit I'm probably never going to have but no, it's nice to no. know the name of it now yes at least we've, at least we've got the name of thank it now thank you thank you Ian for coming back to us on that one well, well thanks to everyone again for their comments um, keep them coming use the hashtag opinions so we've got a few more questions to ask Jager um, should we get a few more thoughts on the Funk Dungeon first though I'm, I'm still I like what you said about the roadmap I get that Having read uh, what was on the, the, bottom, the back of the can and what you said, Jago, about the neutral oak, I think that's actually lent something to it because it hasn't made it go one way or the other. It's just got the roundness of the wood from it. Again, it's got so much, it has actually got so much going on in there, but you could just sit there and drink it without having to think about it and analyse it. Yeah. It, you know what it is? It's, um, it reminds me of a curry the next day. So it's like all the flavours of a time to meld together yeah. and to work together. So there is a huge amount going on there. So you have that kind of the woodiness of the oak. You've got the spiciness in there. There's some almost like umami notes and raisiny notes. But I'm not picking them all out individually unless I'm really searching for them. They kind of all seem to kind of cook together and work together yeah. as a group. So, yeah, thumbs up, Abigail. Yeah, no, well done. Okay, ready for some questions? Questions, questions, fill my head. So, uh, from Sean O'Reilly at Uncrulia, how important is Walthamstow to the wild card identity? Can you imagine the brewery moving away from its home? No, and no, we couldn't. Um, so, the brewery has been, the brewery in its particular location has been everything from the beginning. And it's not like plucked out of thin air, it's because we live there, because we work there, I'm there every day. It's just, it's just Walthamstow, isn't it? It's the home. Okay. Another one from Sean. He, he had lots to ask. Um, <laughs> last year on Beer with Nat, you talked about your band Hell and Hope. 
They seem to have gone quiet on Twitter. Uh, Are you still playing? How do you find time for other interests in between Wildcard, Seba and TV work? Yeah, we've covered some of this already. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think band, I don't want to talk about it right now. <laughs> it's a sore subject. No, no, to be fair, the um, our drummer left and um, I have actually got a gig coming up in a couple of weeks, but it's, um, it's not like... Uh, uh, like a band thing it's just kind of just something about coming up um, how do I find time um, uh, lots of early mornings lots of late nights like lots of people in the UK just you just work hard don't you mm-hmm. I think you get some opportunities and you either have to choose to grab them or you choose not to from Adam Johnson at maybe underscore not underscore a underscore fab do you ever feel that economic restraints can stifle your creativity when it comes to a recipe to brew oh that's a good question um not massively so if you only have a there's certain beers that you can produce cheaper than other brews and it's mainly the beers that don't require heavy dry hopping or heavy food additions they are simply cheaper to produce so things like or and also things that don't need time in tank so things like um uh like wheat beers things like um uh Porters, so things to a certain extent that you don't have to give. You do need to give like darker beers time, yeah. but not the same time level as a lager, yeah. for example. So what I would do if I only had a certain budget, I would just look towards budgetable styles. Is what I would do. So, you would so I, I I wouldn't try and produce a um, like a double dry hopped IPA on the cheap. You'd rather. I'd rather pick a, it pick a style. Budget that tailors, that allows to not spend as much money. And with that, you're mainly working with um, interesting yeast, which is also quite exciting. And quite okay, fun. I mean, that's a good answer. Yeah. When I thought of that myself. Um, you obviously didn't think about that when you chose passion fruit. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most expensive fruit that money can buy. So I know I've, I've, I've mentioned it for like a sick time today, but it is, um, yeah, so, uh, yeah. No, it, it was very good, by the way. So, from Paul at UNRCD, and I would echo this next question, can we have an impy version of the raspberry donut stout that is in Tesco, please? <laughs> that blit beer is bloody blighting my life, that beer. So, it's a really odd one. So, it's um, it's a, um, it's kind of come out like a, a stout, a bit sour... I don't know if you've tried it. Yeah. Yeah. So so it's a it's an it's it's an it's an odd beer. It's it's a it's yes. an unusual beer, and it's a beer that is. Um, I'm getting a lot of people c- coming up to me, and it's a talking point kind of beer. Um, I don't know if I would make it like long term. It's really quite difficult to brew. It's um so it's a stout recipe. It's basically very complicated to brew. So it has all the complications of a really complicated malt bill. So in order to make it a little bit bready, we've got loads of wheat, loads of oats. I feel like everything but the kitchen sink is in the malt bill. Then we have to add a load of raspberry to it at a certain point in time. And then we have to add a load of cocoa nibs to it. So it's a very kind of complex brew. And at the end of it, um, adding... If you've ever tried to add a load of any physical material, especially cocoa nibs, in a bag in a 2,000 litre tank, it's really difficult to... Um, get it out. <laughs> oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah. it, it produces physical problems. Um, so it's just it's 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 a hard, hard, hard one to brew. Is it yes or no? Then 
Are we going to see is the MP... Just so read between the lines, no. No, 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 we I'm... Tempted? Would it lend it... All right, put it MP, Would it lend itself to be an MP version? Oh, would it lend itself to be an MP version? Absolutely. As in the style would be absolutely fantastic as an MP version. It's a very Marmite beer. That's what I've learned. It's like, it's it's weird. Like, it's a weird, it's an odd beer. Um, I, I, I really like it. I, would, I wouldn't have brewed it if I, if I didn't love it. But it's... um. It's, it's definitely, there are some people that love it and some people that, that probably don't, so don't that love it. So is that a maybe? No, as in, it is possible, I would only do a time quantity. Okay. It's too Paul, difficult to brew. You'll have to be quick if it does happen. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> you'll have to be quick. <laughs> it's, it's difficult, it's yeah. difficult. Uh, next up from Bay Beer Reviews at Bay Beer Reviews, a uh, question about Wildcard. Um, do you want to or are you planning to look at taking investment to grow? It's absolutely our next step. Our next step is we need a big investor. Like, um, if we want to, at the minute, we we are making beer and we've got more customers and we've got more contracts for it than we can fulfill. So absolutely, the, the next step is going to be an investor. So it's about um, hopefully working with someone really nice. So if you're an investor, come talk to us. <laughs> okay. And is that, is that more in terms of the private investment or would that be looking to see if so do you know who our perfect investor interested would be? buyer our perfect in a perfect investor would be like the perfect investor would be someone who owned a restaurant chain or a pub chain no let's go restaurant chain and they said oh we would like to invest two million pounds please but we also have this restaurant chain and you could sell some of your beer to our restaurant chain that would be the perfect investor well, there you go. So, That's the most direct answer yeah. to that question I could have imagined. No, same thing. But but my point is, my, my point is, these things are very. That that is also true. So if you are that, please to call me. But um, <laughs> my point is. I'm not sure we have many restaurant owners. No, that's fine. Thing, but, but no, the things, sorry, never know. <laughs> my point is, these are things are complex, and it's not always the cookie cutter investment that you would have dreamed of. Yeah. When you begin. So I find it really difficult to be in a situation where you're kind of being quite judgmental against decisions that are made financially because people have got to pay, people have got to feed themselves and pay for their staff and it's a lot of pressure and I can kind of see how people make decisions. Mm. And we've spoken about it before. So, we, I mean, yeah. is what it is. So last question and uh, you may have noticed as you were going away for the weekend this person had a stream of questions which would have blocked time uh, the whole time. The timing was shocking on this occasion. <laughs> uh, from Miles Lambert at Miles Lambert and this is the shortest of his questions I do believe as well. If you could make one change to the beer industry what would it be? Oh God. Um, one change to the beer industry and that's really difficult. You know what? I'm going to be brutally honest, mainly because I'm like five beers in. <laughs> um, if if I could, I would like to see more of a focus on beers that are, have real merit. So as in breweries that may not necessarily have all the hype in the world, but they make like absolutely superb, superb, fantastic, faultless beers. And they may not have all the branding and all the what have you yeah so you want to see them get the recognition I would like to see them get the recognition that they deserve okay good answer 
Great answer. Jager, thank you so much for your time. Thank, thank you, you for having me. Thank you for giving me. up your time and for bringing some beers uh, along for us to try as, as well. Uh, if people don't know already, where, where can they find information about Wildcard? They can find information about Wildcard on the Wildcard Brewery website, wildcardbrewery.co.uk, or Twitter or Instagram. Excellent. And there'll be links to all of those in the show notes. Yeah, so yeah sure. For people that can't be bothered to search them up, they can just click through <laughs> directly from the show notes. Um, what have we got coming up next time? Well, we're still out and about, Steve. We are. We've, we've got at least another show where we're, we're not back in the studio. So we're going to go and speak to Mr. Chris Hall at Howling Hops in two weeks' time. Okay, and this is going to be at their tank bar. Well, I hope so. Uh, I want to sit in front of those shiny tanks yeah. drinking beer from the tank. No, yeah. actually lying underneath the tap at the tank. Well, well, we'll see what they've got on. They might know we're coming and turn half of them off. <laughs> Who knows? But uh, as always, there'll be an opportunity uh, for people to ask questions yep. of, of Chris. So if you have got any questions that you want to you ask him, make sure you use the hashtag opinions uh, and we'll find that. We'll obviously put a shout out on Twitter a week or so before as well Definitely. For, for anybody else that wants to ask questions. Um, and I think with that, that probably draws this evening to That's uh, it. a close. Thank you very much, Jager, for turning up. And Thank after you. your weekend away... And being at the brewery <laughs> and coming here tonight. And, and doing everything. Um, I'm surprised you've not got your juggling balls with you. As, as, as no, well. just very sleepy eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is uh, fine for podcasting, there's no problem. Because yeah, no one can see that. Um, no, that's been brilliant. Thank, thank you so much. Yeah. Um, cheers. 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 cheers.